Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Back for another big week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, Boxhead, and for anyone out there who shat on the idea of Magic Round or complained before it even happened, I think the proof was in the pudding on the weekend. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and we were twelve hundred kilometres away. So anyone that's gone up there, we've had a heap of inboxes and tweets and Facebook posts or replies to our Facebook posts just saying how great it was for the people that went up there. So. Next year, I reckon we'll be on a plane and we'll be up there enjoying the festivities. The only negative that I could find out of Magic Round, I, pro- I guess we should jump into our set of six. It's the first point in our set Tackle of six. One. Uh, the only negative I've got is a Thursday night game. Just a from a, from a quality perspective, it wasn't the greatest game ever. Uh, and I'm a Titans man. But, yeah, I think two Friday, three Saturday, three Sunday would be better just for that week. I love the Thursday night game. But for Magic mm-hmm. Round, uh, maybe... Maybe if they play that New South Wales versus Queensland residence game on the Thursday night, like still have a game, but have the NRL fixtures be over the three days. Um, I also think it's it might be best to run Magic Magic Round into uh, the week before they select State of Origin because it would make it a hell of a lot easier for the Origin coaches to be there and just watch every game yeah, um, prior, to, prior to when they pick. The other thing is also I I believe after Magic Round there shouldn't be a Thursday night game the following round to make sure that every team's got yeah fair turnaround uh, a seven day turnaround yeah so I I just try and mirror mirror what day the teams played on in Magic Round the following weekend because a lot of teams got in and out because uh, you know for example I think uh, I think the Storm they played what Saturday night yeah and then they're going to play Thursday night so. You know, they would have travelled Sunday morning, Sunday's gone, Monday's recovery, you're, you're back on deck, everyone back on deck on Tuesday, you're going to play on Thursday. So they won't get a, a full round in. But for me, all of those little idiosyncrasies and probably things that I look at as a coach and, you know, that we look at uh, from a logistical perspective, that's irrelevant to the fans. It, nothing should overshadow how good it was. Uh, I thought there was a lot of concern about the field. I thought the field held up. It didn't look great. But Especially the field, after it rained. Held I up. thought it held up really, really good that night game. But, yeah, people are going, oh, it doesn't look that great. We're going into winter. You Grass always yeah, starts to brown up. The main thing is it held up. People were already trying to throw shade out there saying, oh, the injuries are because of the field. No, they weren't. Just about every injury I saw was a contact in- injury uh, and one or two others that were soft tissue injuries had nothing to do with the field. For the feeders had a hamstring I, injury for weeks. I was talking to my wife about this. I, I reckon the, they should announce the origin teams at the stadium. Like so, they, they should say half an hour after the last game, they should maybe have a band. And then and you've got all the players there. 
you could get both teams up and have a big origin, like use that as a start of origin. If they're there all week. But yeah, I think the only complaints... But I, I believe that they should, the NRL should pay for every player to be there. Mm. The only complaint really came from clubs. Not, I didn't hear anything really bad from the fans or anything. You had clubs complaining about having to share hotels and locker rooms and the overlap. Mm. And like it's, it's one weekend. For fuck's sake, you get paid enough. Everyone's chipped in on board of it. It's a great concept, and it is exactly what you just said. It's for the fans. Yeah. You think clubs and players who are getting significantly compensated could put those little things aside for one weekend and just kind of deal with it. But yeah. all in all, I thought it was a fantastic weekend. You obviously didn't. We haven't had any negative feedback. And mm. I think the two big things, field and player health, uh, I thought they were all good. So, yeah. yeah, that's my perspective. And Plenty of others out there. But like we said, set of six, if you're joining us for the first time. I don't know how many new listeners we get these days, but hopefully still plenty trickling in. Set of six kicks us off. Six topics, questions, thoughts, statements, anything we have in our heads. That was tackle one, magic round, a big success in our eyes and needing to continue. Tackle two, uh, Brad Arthur, the Parramatta Reels, uh, secured for two more years. Funnily enough, we're talking about some of those other results and trying to get that locked down, and it uh, finally comes this week after getting beaten 64 to 10. I'm not saying that changes his position at the club or his right to coach the club or the, the position that I'd feel if I was someone at Parramatta of him coaching it, but I find it very awkward that of all the weeks they wanted to announce it, considering the win they had last week or the win they had a couple of weeks ago before with the Tigers and players they want to keep and, and all the news you hear out of there that they announced it this week of all weeks. Yeah, I guess it shows a lot of faith to announce it this week. Probably pours a little bit of water on that result. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a... It's not the week where you want to be signing an extension, that's for sure. Nope. Because they were... And I'd be keeping they, they were, Don't get me wrong. No, I agree. I, I said that all along. I wouldn't I wouldn't be getting rid of him. They just found it very strange. That However, they, I didn't yeah. think that they needed to rush into it. Um, I guess they've shown enough this year. They've, they've shown enough good, but I would argue that they've shown glimpses of that really, really poor form. And I guess there's no better evidence than Saturday night. Melbourne were bouncing back, but for me, I don't give a shit what, who you're playing. It's about your performance and about how you uh, perform on the field. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I thought there was a lot of uh, a lot of excuses run out by Parramatta and Parramatta players over the weekend. And it seems at the moment like they're just they go outside of uh, Bankwest Stadium and they their form drops significantly. So, mm. well, but but I think it's a good decision. I think Brad Arthur is the coach, and I, I said it. He's a Parramatta man through and through. We had this conversation probably a month ago on the pod when this first became, I guess, an issue publicly. I think it's the right call. Uh, how long did he sign for? Two, two years. years. So two years. So the next two years, this year and two more? This year. He's already signed for this year. Yeah, okay. So, so this year and two more. Yeah. yeah. He's already on board for this year, clearly. But I think the whole thing about contracts and either... Yeah, got... but I mean, doesn't it matter when you sign the contract? Isn't that from when the contract runs until it ends? No, nah, it's an extension on top so of what he's already got. Okay. So he's just got next year, the year after. My issue is people keep, and journos especially, keep blowing up, oh, there's this many players off contract. Have they actually sat down and taken a look at the names, like we said the other week? Like, there's Gutherson, there's Moses. Yes, they're important decisions, but it comes down to money. Tim Manor, uh, again, we've said it multiple times, they probably need someone with more leg speed. You've got Maroa, who's been patchy in his time there. Takarangi, who's been solid this year, but up and down. But like some of the other names, Ray Stone's played a handful of games. He's solid, but you wouldn't be paying overs for a young kid. Pritchard's on personal leave at the moment, so there's no rush to sign him. Stefano Utakamanu is one of their best young junior talents. But again, they're not going to have to break the bank, and he's got an injury right now. Um, but, you know, Bevan French. Why are we worrying about Bevan French, Josh Hoffman, George Jennings, like guys that are barely playing first grade? Like it's easy to throw that number out and say they're in disarray and more than half their squad's off contract. 
a couple of these guys are pretty easily replaceable, to be honest. And then there's a handful, if you're looking at form and how they're going right now. Sure, you want Gutherson and Moses probably locked up. Manu Mau is one I'm sure they'll look to now that he's been back and playing okay. And the other one that's glaring when I look at this list, and the only other one that really would worry me is Murata Niakora. Yeah, I want him locked up. Mm. Out of the rest of them, there's a lot of guys there I don't think they're going to have to break the bank for. It's just going to be a simple case of, is money right and do they want to keep him? Yeah. And also, can you sign someone better in that position? Yeah, exactly. So I, I get some of the panic, but not when I look at half the names on this list. I think a lot of those guys are quite replaceable, in all honesty. But the big one, Gutherson, while we're still on the topic, uh, that's been dragging on. People were feeling differently about it. At the start, everyone was like, Parramatta did the wrong thing by coming in with such a low ball offer. Now other people are saying that he's greedy. Um, yeah, they're, they're trying to paint the narrative sort of the villain, turn, doesn't it? Well, I kind of don't. I don't think he's a villain, and I don't think he's greedy. Players need to earn what they can earn in the time that they've got, and that's up to their manager at the end of the day. I just think, from that perspective, it's been poorly handled on both sides. Realistically, not on Gutherson's side of things. Every time he's asked about it, he just says it's between my manager and the club, and I'm sure he does want it done. But you can't get angry at the player uh, when things don't get done and managers are always going to go for more and more years and more like that. that's a manager's job mm. at the end of the day he could tell his manager I guess let's just get it done and finish it off but Parra need to come to the party as well and right now unfortunately they just can't seem to get there apparently from all the mail I've got terms have been agreed on but now it's coming down to years so they've basically got near that $700,000 mark but they want four years on the guts and side of things Parramatta only want to give him three and their reasoning is oh well you've had knee injuries in the past so why would we give four my question is, if you've got worries about injuries, why would you give three years? Yeah. If you're trying to sign someone you're worried about knee injuries and things like that, you'd be giving him a one- or two-year extension. And clearly, he wasn't going to take that. Manly are lurking around in the background still. Apparently, they're willing to offer the years, but less money. Yeah. Not much less. So, I don't know what Paramount is going to do here, but I still think, given all that he offers well, isn't around there, the club, wasn't on there the rumors field, this week that they're chasing Dallin? Dallin to come over as a possibility. I don't know whether they want him to play fullback or they're looking well, for him Dallin, for the back Dallin line. wouldn't move to not play fullback. Because if you look at him in the back line set up, uh, you know, Jennings could potentially be gone. And like I said, a couple of those names, Hoffman, French, like, there's a few guys there. They've got spots to replace. I'm sure he does want to play fullback, but if you're Parramatta, how Who much? would you rather right now, Dallin or, or Gutherson for fullback. 700K at fullback? I'd take Gutherson. I think mm. Gutherson's a better ball player. I think he's got more energy. I think Dallin's a better... Runner of the football, but what if you could get Dallin cheaper? I still probably take Gutherson. Mm. It depends See, how I, it depends how much cheaper you're telling me that. And all well, the things. So let's say let, what is Gutherson? Gutherson wants what seven hundred, but he wants four years. They're offering him three at the moment. That's where the sticking point is at the moment. It's not finance. It's it's time. So for me, if if uh, if Dallin said that he'd take a trim by hundred k less. For three years, I'd probably take Dallin. I think right now at fullback, Dallin's not a good, not as good a player at that position as. I think he's got a, he's got a point to prove. I think he's got a point to prove, but I still don't he's think not he happy ticks as many boxes for me as a fullback as what Gutherson does. I think the bigger picture here, and again, we keep missing this to say from the start: Gutherson, the person; Gutherson, the captain; Gutherson, leading the training, the culture, the energy. Like I think there's. Part but where of- was Gutherson on the weekend when it's sixty four ten? Well, they have, where was and where was it? Where was it when they got flogged? I, yeah, but he, 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 but then again, you can't just pat him on the back when things are going good. I'm not patting him on the back. Well, you are. You just good. said that the, the captain, the this, the that. Like, there's got to be accountability on both sides of the result. Oh, I'm, that's coming into all aspects, though. In, off and look, Dallin's no angel in that regard either. I'm not defending Dallin. I'm not making a comparison to say that one's better than the other. However, Parramatta have clearly expressed an interest in Dallin, and we know for a fact that he wants to play 
fullback. He's not happy that he's not playing fullback at Penrith. Mm. But, so what's he going to do though? If no one, one else element. wants him to play fullback, you can't just stop. Oh, he'll get it. He'll get a run. No, I agree with that. He'll get a run at a club and an NRL club playing fullback. Uh, yeah, I find the Guth- Gutherson this this whole standoff interesting. I really do. If, if Gutherson is not signing because he wants four years, he's got three. Okay, you go to Manly. Where are you going to play at Manly? Because oh, Travoyevich so, is going to be the fullback. Yeah, the only so, thing I can say is they I want don't to know. move Tom I'm, to I'm a little bit sick of talking about it because I, personally, I don't think Gutherson's a marquee player, with all due respect. Well, He's a good player. Was, but for but, spine positions. But we talk about it on the podcast every week. I, I'm a little bit over it. So either sign the deal or go somewhere else. Go to open market. Well, you're already on the market. They had that deadline. The thing is, the deadline is this Friday, isn't it? I don't know about a deadline, but it just needs this needs to be solved. You're either staying or you're going. But this is Parramatta. And Parramatta this is why they suddenly get they 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 can go well for a week or two, and then something just sidetracks them all the time yeah. away from the positivity and what they should be focusing on, which is a to get a better performance because they just got lapped. Mm. And this is the thing we always have when players start to play well or clubs start to play well when contracts come up. Are you playing for a contract or are you playing because this is the standard and look, you're a I'm professional sorry, and you're an NRL player? I've got a bit of a memory like an old elephant. It, last year still pretty raw to me as a, if I was a Parramatta fan and if I was someone at the club in recruitment and retention, they were diabolical last year. Mm. So to now play, I guess, good football this year, I wouldn't call it great football. They're sitting, what, in the eight, just in the eight? Um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be rushing to pull the trigger. I don't think they've earned the right to have anyone jumping up and down uh, or diving on grenades to sign them, that's for sure. Yeah, well, Arthur's done. Maybe that's a sign of things to come. That's We've a good thing. Oh, that's a positive result. Now they'll make some decisions between club, player. Uh, obviously, Mark O'Neill being there is the GM of football. They're going to make some decisions about the roster. And I've got a feeling, obviously, we're going to start to hear a lot more in the coming weeks. But, yeah, those few names, in particular, near Coro, that's one I'd be really interested in keeping. Of course. That's, that's a no-brainer. Sure. But number three, uh, one we always seem to talk about as well that I'm sick of talking about, but they just keep Laying stirring up a drama and having things leak out of the club at the moment. It's an absolute sieve is the Penrith Panthers. So rock bottom with that result. Well, is it rock bottom? You you'd hope so. You'd like to think so. You'd but hope so. You go from that result, Wanga Blake not turning up, players that are on big contracts not playing well, just the attitude in general in the side being poor. Uh, the whole fiasco which started from the summer and the way that the club decided to go get Ivan Cleary back and the way they went about it. Now you've got the board come out this week, uh, blowing up, shooting down that what Gus said about having Wayne Bennett wrapped up is absolute rubbish and it was just a throwaway comment and they never really took it to the board and he didn't really want to comment too much on it, just saying that he's friends with the chair and everybody else and he wishes them all the best because obviously under pressure and he's not going to make a comment at the time and just, it's just a whole string of things. And then you look at the side of things like the players they invested in long-term. Obviously, they haven't had a good track record with Cartwright gone, Moylan gone, Marin didn't deliver, gets moved on. Tarmow's, you know, been so-so. They couldn't get rid of him. He's playing okay this year. But now you look again. They invested long-term in Wunga Blake and Regan Campbell-Gillard. And both those guys this year are going poor. And Wunga Blake, on one of the biggest games of the season, as far as they're concerned, to keep their season alive, doesn't even turn up to training on time this well, week. Well, he turned up 45 minutes late. He so, read his schedule. His schedule was wrong. Well, no, the schedule was right. He, he read the wrong schedule. That's not an excuse. You're a professional footballer. You've got one job. Turn up on time. I, look, I get a text message from someone at the Panthers every week about, 
you know, hearsay, a rumour, he doesn't like him, they're not getting along, he's not happy playing in this position, there's a incident involving him, he's in a tape, he's done yeah. this. It just... Well, and what? look, none of it, none of it we publicise, none of it we no. put on the page, none of it we put on NRL gossip. All of it stays between me and you most of the time, uh, and you know, unless someone talks to me about uh, a rumour, and you know, I, I never jump up and down and say, "Well, I, I knew that," or "I got a text about that." It's, mm. For me, I don't give a shit about that. I would love nothing more than, than to see the Penrith Panthers play to their potential. You want them because I spent a, a hell of a lot of time developing a lot of these players that are now playing NRL. And I know the potential that a lot of these guys have got. I respect the hell out of Ivan Cleary as a coach. Uh, I respect the hell out of uh, Phil Gould as a GM. Um, we know Dave O'Neill personally uh, through an affiliation with our junior club and, and relationships that go back a fairly long way into our childhood. So we know a lot of the people that, that are involved in this. Uh, and no one's winning. No, no one's winning. At all, it, it it looks bad for everyone, and the only the only way this is going to get fixed, and the only way they're going to get themselves out of the papers, is through Winning. good performances. I do have some concerns about their energy, their body language, um, the fact that Tarmow comes out after the game and says that there are issues on ABC Radio. Came out and said because I was I was watching, uh, listening on radio, but watching on TV. And he said, look, there's a hell of a lot of issues going on here and now we've got to fix it now. Mm. And for me, I thought, well, why is it taking nine rounds? And why every time does some, that something gets leaked, do you all deny it? And then now nine, nine weeks down the track, you're saying, yes, there is an issue. I, to, to me, this is I worry a little bit about Ivan in this situation because he's so laid back. Mm. Like they need at the moment someone that's going to be that aggressor. They need someone to rally the troops, bring everyone into a room, air all the shit out. And the personality of Peter Wallace and Cameron Serrato isn't that either. No. They're fairly relaxed and reserved guys as well. well the other problem is they don't have one in the playing group. Like, I know Maloney, you could say, but, is, but is Maloney a leader. at the moment, but who's going to listen? He's not playing yeah, well enough. Yeah, and he's we know he's kind of elsewhere as well and potentially what he's going to be doing moving forward. But they don't have... Yeah, you know, just just a central figure, someone that everyone looks to within that playing group. There's a lot of talent in there, and I think that's the thing that's more bothering. Everyone keeps going, so why is this happening? It's exactly what just said. There is drama off field, and people say, what's that got to do with it? If you're not playing with a clear head, if there's issues in the club, if there's issues off field, if there's things that could potentially be life altering or affect relationships, marriages, all sorts of bits and pieces, and trouble within, you don't play good football. You can have as much talent as you want on the field, but if you don't have good cohesion, good relationships, and a positive vibe within your club, but I have. you can have all the talent in the world yeah, you're and right. you don't get results. But also, that speaks to the character and the integrity of some of the players that they've got there. In that their behaviour has caused a lot of these issues that they're it. having. It's so, not a question of talent. It's a, it's a question of exactly that. Behaviour, attitude, effort, and tech, like all those things that you want in a football team. So I don't feel sorry for them. I don't feel as, sorry as, for as, them. As, as harsh as that may sound, and I, I don't get any pleasure in seeing them playing poorly. No. Um, There's it's little, it's yeah. just a, it's a difficult situation. What they need to do is get the fuck out of the papers. Just Everyone needs to shut talking. up. Shut up. And just win. narrow it down. I think the first grade squad's got to get people away from the first grade squad. You know, if there's three or, three or four uh, coaches there, let those three or four guys coach. Let the rehab and the training staff do their job. The rest of the hanger honorers, get rid of them. You don't need it. They've got a, a magnificent facility out there. Allow the players to work in that facility. Get into watching plenty of video. Get into doing plenty of review, plenty of feedback. Just... Sit down and work out what the problems are and focus on footy. You know the There's other been thing. too much focus on all the other shit. 
Yeah, the other thing I have an issue with, again, like it just seems if you guys sign those contracts, they start playing poorly. Uh, the other oh, thing, the that. other thing is how quickly it, it's just like chop and change. Like <sighs> before Dylan Edwards hurt his shoulder, they were all in and neck minute he has a couple of bad games and I know things aren't going too well and they're talking that they're shopping him around. Um, yeah, you know, but I, what does that mean? We're shopping him around. They they can't shop him around because they can't. Oh, well, they, they can't. T- they trade can tell him. him he can go. Somewhere. Yeah, of I course. Get that. But, but what I mean is just how quickly it seems. You know, at times this this guy was the shit twelve months ago, and then a couple of bad games and we're straight right, off. But like, I don't understand what the love affair was with with Dylan. To no, start you, with. you understand what I'm saying. I understand like what the, you're saying. The bipolar nature of he's it. I oh, know he's not. Oh, he can go. But oh, that's what the league's like. You know that. But in particular, Penrith. More recent times, it's been. Absolute insanity. And well, they, the, the, the issue at Penrith is they're spoiled for riches. They've always got another one, two, three, four coming through, so they're dispensable. We still need to make better decisions. No, and I agree. Yeah, I, again, I agree with what you're saying. But, but, I, I, but I, I just think they're spoiled through the fact that they've always got someone else pushing through. And we said it last year. I love a lot of what Gus has done, and it's not all on him. But I he, think they've pushed him out at the wrong time. He was one of the guys that was really big on giving these longer-term deals and trying to spread money out to keep guys long-term. But if you're looking at a couple of the last deals he did before he left, Mansour, Wunga, Blake, and Regan Campbell-Gillard are three guys that are definitely not playing to the tags that they've, you know living up to right now, the contracts that they earned. Mm. So that, that's another concern. There's a couple of guys there that if they did feel that things needed to change or there was a culture problem or an attitude problem or something that needs to happen, there's a few contracts they're going to be struggling to get away from. Yeah. But all in all, uh, we don't know if that's rock bottom, but it's, the issue is mainly what you said. Things just keep we coming out so. of the club. Shut the fuck up. Play football. Have an in-house brouhaha, whatever you're going to do. Get everyone in a room. Talk it out. Clear the air. Play football. Get W's. That's it. End of, the, end of story. No more talk. Yeah. Win football games. Because at the end of the year, this is an easy review for me. This is not a matter of talent. This is enough talent whether you don't like the fullback or you don't like the nine situation. You look at the forward pack, you look at the back line, you look at the depth. They have enough to overcome those areas and they've got a pair of origin halves. Yeah. If they do their job in those other areas, it makes up for the fact that you're not really keen on the number one or the nine situation. We've seen plenty of teams make finals or go on decent runs without that. Can they win the comp? I didn't pick them to win the comp, but they're definitely a final side mm. and they should be doing a lot better than what they are. Well, I, I had them in Brisbane right up there with the Roosters this year, and I've both of those just. We always say it, don't we, in the previous? Some of these teams that we highly rank, Happens they're going to fall over. Well, no one had Para, no one had Manly. They're the two big ones right now. I think everyone's kind of looking at it going well. Wow. And yeah. Canberra's obviously surprised a lot of people. I thought they'd be I'd rank Canberra, possibly near the bottom West of the eight. As well. But, you know, they're, they're more than bottom of the eight. They're in the top four. So mm-hmm. At the moment. We'll leave that one alone. Uh, tackle four, Dylan Walker. Obviously being cleared this week of his domestic violence charge and the, some talk over the weekend in regards to the no-fault stand-down policy. And again, not going to get too much into this because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, it's a complicated issue, but nine weeks or so he's missed due to this court case and now he's been cleared. The NRL still standing by it, obviously saying that the whole point of it is to protect the reputation of the game. We don't feel that it has any harm or result on their court case and this result should be an example of that because he was found not guilty. And then this week, we're hoping to finally have a decision on the Jack DeBellin thing, but I'm not holding my breath because that's been three or four weeks delayed now. So um, No, well, they're saying it's going to be this week. I think the interesting part to come out of this, and I didn't see it, was a lot of people straight after Walker was cleared, there was footage released to the public last night that a lot of people... On Channel 9, yeah. ...weren't happy about. So. Or Channel 7, not one of them. But yeah. it basically showed that Dylan Walker did what he was accused of. And I guess the point that the media are trying to make here is that he got off because his wife, his partner or wife or fiance or whatever their relationship is, um, 
basically retracted a statement and wouldn't give evidence in court. So it was impossible for him to be convicted. Mm. But I guess the essence of the story is to say that he did it, but she's backed away from a story, you know, whether they've kissed and made up or, or whatever. So, you know, for me, why, why wouldn't the NRL then go in and do an investigation themselves? Well, I think they said this way, they'd have their own look at it after because it's been out of the court. Because Mitchell Pierce's incident, and there's been a, a, a string of incidents previously where they haven't been charged. Yeah, they're uh, just having a player. From, uh, you know, from a criminal perspective, and yet they get stood down. I, I don't know. I, I think we're you're wading into really murky waters when you try and be a, a court of law. It, we follow the NFL pretty closely, and you know they they sort of just it's either you're you're in or you're not, and they don't really get caught too much up in the subjectivity of. An offence, do they? They sort of let the if law. If there's a criminal charge, you go on the exempt list of the commissioner until it is cleared. You do yeah. not play at all until things are done. But I think their court system. But it's pretty system, black and white, isn't it? Their and court system's a lot quicker, a lot quicker yeah. by the sounds of things. So every time we've seen something happen over there, it's been cleared and done. And if it's high, high profile, it seems to be done quicker for that reason as well. My concern with Jack DeBellin is just how long this court case is going to have to conclude. And I'm not saying he's innocent or guilty. I don't know. None of us. But know. if he is proven to be innocent, and that's a hypothetical, he could potentially spend 18 months out of the game. Yeah, then that's the end of his contract, and then he hasn't played, then he's 30, 31 years well, old. And, and then does he found... get paid compensation? I know he's getting paid while he's not playing, but surely there has to be some damages, regard given loss to of career, damages. Future contract, for, yeah. player. Like if you went off what they for do in America loss of value. again for things like that, they do projections on players when they take out policies due to injury or if they go to court and they have projections on stuff like that. And so. the other thing that's overlooked also here is that when Jack DeBellin runs out in his next game, someone's going to call him a rapist. Yeah, whether he's, whether he's, if he's found, found not guilty. guilty. It's something that's going to stick with him for the rest of his life. Hmm. But the, the thing about it, like I said, the proceeding this week may seem back on the field, but on the flip side, of there's a no-win situation because if... The stand-down policy yeah, that's standard, but, he can yeah, play, that's only in the and then he's found term. guilty Correct. long-term, they're going to go, well, you fucking let him play. Like it's... Yeah. Well, no, the NRL, this won't be the NRL letting him play. It'll be the courts letting him but play. But there's, there's, I think at the end of the day with this, and everyone brings it up, and a lot of people have been talking about there's just no win. There's no, there's no way to win in this situation. How long do you stand him down for? Is it indefinitely? Does the court case take two years? We don't know. If he's not guilty and he, you know, he doesn't get to play for that long, is his career ruined? Can he sue for damages? To be, you know, wrongly accused, etc., or, or vice versa. If he plays and the no-fault stand-down doesn't stand and he gets back on the field, then he's found guilty later. A lot of people are going to be very upset about it. So mm. there is no good way around this situation, which is why, at the end of the day, every time this happens and players say about education, this, that, the other, and being in bad situations, they just need to be smarter. We just don't put yourself in this situation. You have this short window to make money, be a high-profile person, and you really need to just put yourself in better positions and better places, I guess, to not be dragged through the shitstorm like a couple of these players have this off-season. In particular, yeah, these two guys. Tackle five, the Broncos. Uh, a solid win the other night, but again, uh, why I think Manly are a good side, they lost a couple more players. You can only beat what's in front of you, but at the same time, I think there were some positive signs in the fact that Seabold's obviously gone to a new club, like we said. People are fighting the power. There's some links to Wayne. There's some other guys that just aren't happy with some of the changes, but he's trying to root out the weeds that aren't willing to move forward with him because he's got five years there. He's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's a long-term coach. Some proof in the pudding this week about the deer to move, a couple more of the younger guys getting 
Tevita Pango Jr. back, having Payne Haas now back in the fold after his suspension, and then removing Ozako and Roberts for Bird, Shibasaki, and I thought that just looked a lot better all around. This week, we'll get a real idea of where they're at because they have to play the Roosters, but I think he's doing the right thing. If people aren't going to buy into what you're doing moving forward, you can't have them at the club. Simple. Things have changed. Wayne's gone. You've got a new coach in. There's a new crop coming through. Anyone that's willing to fight against it, and again, we talk about backing coaches, isn't like player power, nah. Players can't just oust coaches or complain about this or one bad thing or fight off criticism. If you're going to get paid exorbitant amounts of money, you take criticism. Your job is to play rugby league, train during the week, fix up your mistakes, work within a team environment, and not be precious, basically. And I think there's a few guys that are really just been bringing things down from day dot there. And I don't think he's handled everything perfectly, Anthony Seabold, but in this situation right now, I think he's doing the right thing. He's get... got the power at the moment because he's in the first year of his contract and he's got a five-year deal. If he was in the third year of his contract oh. after two poor seasons, he'd be under pressure. Yeah, so I think it's more situation than it being right or wrong. I think the position that the Brisbane Broncos are in, people are willing to accept because they understand that it is his first year and they're trying to change a lot of things. And He's inherited a very pro-Bennett roster. I probably underestimated the impact that that would have on the Broncos this season. Very young as well, and their key position players aren't playing overly well. But uh, I think that's really a sticking point, and probably something that's overlooked is that you know he's in his first year, so he's going to have all the power. And I just think players are uh, they don't have a lot of resilience. These a lot of the modern players. I'm not speaking about all modern players, but. You know, as soon as something doesn't go their way and they get put to reserve, well, that used to happen all the time. All the time. And players wouldn't kick and bitch and moan. And a lot of players finish their careers in reserve grade. They they would go back, be demoted to reserve grade, never get back into the NRL, but then go and play you know, another year or two in reserve grade and finish their careers that way. So I, I just think we're a little bit too precious, some of the players, and they, they get things too quickly and uh, they don't have to earn them. Therefore, they don't value them. And I think, I think James Roberts, he's been he's probably the one that we're looking at here. And he was an origin centre last year. But prior to that, he'd been from club to club and he'd abused, uh, I guess, his opportunities and he wasted a lot of opportunities. And he's Half the problem with that, though, is what you just said before. They get accelerated too early. They're not at all, you know, not cut down, but they're not criticised and they're not given feedback. They're just patted on the ass the whole way through if they've got talent. Because coaches, back to your original breaks point, into grade at coaches are often uh, scared to give them negative feedback in, in the well, fear that they've going, oh, no, I agree. I totally agree with you. It wouldn't stop me from giving a player negative feedback. And look, I've caught blowback from 16s, 18s, 20s players I've been involved with because you give them negative feedback because you're the first guy that they've come across that said, hang yeah. on a minute, that's not right. They, they you're not doing that well enough. And they don't know how to handle it. No. So, look, I think it speaks – you could go right back to, you know, the way that children are parented these days, the way that the school and education structure is these days. And yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that uh, have responsibility for, you know, I guess the player attitudes and their the way they react to feedback and, and negative things that happen to them. But you've got to suck it up and get better. Well, in real life, if you're doing a half-assed job, your boss is going to tell you something similar. But they're to not living in real life. I know they're that's half the problem. Though, and that's yeah. that's back to what you said about they just get patted on the ass too often. But from mats onwards or any system, there should be you know 
criticism, good or bad, or constructive feedback, more likely as we like to call it, whether you're the best player and you look like you're shooting to play great or not. Yeah, the, you know the other thing about being a you know in a position that you know we're in in the 16s and 18s system, and for myself in a 20 system as a coach previous, you always know that they're gonna you only have them for a certain amount of time. They're always going to go in and out. And NRL coach, you've got that player. If he signed a four-year deal, you've yeah, got him there for four years. So you've got to make it work. Mm. And from a playing perspective, I think the fact that contracts have just become worthless, it just gives players an out too often. It gives a club an out too often. Mm. I, maybe that's part of the reason why we just see players kicking up a stink and, and throwing their hands in the air and going, this is too hard, I'll go somewhere else. Because they know that you know, with with a club just granting you permission and, and you can just jump ship and away you go. Yeah, I agree with you on all that kind of stuff, but we'll see how it works out. They look like they're going to stick solid this week. Uh, Zarko has been invited the opportunity to come back into the side and find a bit more form at James Roberts still on the outside. He's in the reserves, but whether he actually gets in or not remains to be seen closer to game day, but a big test for them. Tackle six, last one we got here, origin update as we get closer. Obviously, no use us giving exact lineups, like we said, until injuries and being closer to the game. But I think looking at some of those key positions that we're worried about, right centre is now longer. Oh, that's any easier for New South Wales. I'm now leaning Jesse Ramian. Well, you've got Robertson reserve grade, Jack Bird, who started to play decent football, ACL. They were talking about playing Tommy Turbo there. He's still going to be injured. Leilua was mentioned. He's out for the season with a neck injury. And then you've got Jared Croker, who plays the opposite side of the field, who's not exactly the greatest defender, so I wouldn't be swapping him. Hop Wade, I don't even think he's close to playing origin form-wise, even though he's solid. Whiten's been talked about going there. Again, opposite side of the field. Position he hasn't played for four or five years. Josh Dugan, I think, has got a white, and he's not playing that well, uh, in all honesty. And then if you're looking at it realistically from a younger talent perspective, Bronson Sherry is way too young to be thrown into that in the games he's played. And the only other name that really is there is Jesse Ramey. And I think Jesse Raymond, again, early rounds was a victim of how Newcastle were playing. Their forward pack wasn't playing well and they weren't giving him good football. Uh, he came back from an injury on the weekend. I thought he looked solid. But the one thing you do know about him, with early quality service, he can be very, very dangerous. Mm. So, the other one is Dugan, Gutherson, Hopawade, Morris. Well, we've gone for most of them. I know Josh Morris threw his hand up for an emergency recall. But again, wrong side of the field. Older bloke. I, I, I think... There's uh, Dylan Walker. Walker's only just come back. No, from... I know. I, I was just going through the yeah. list of eligible players today. I, I think Ramian. Ramian, right now. Ramian. I said at the start of the year, I thought Ramian would be my just, just throw him in because he's the future. I wouldn't Form be going wise, backwards. I, I wouldn't know, be going to great, Dugan. At least he's had an injury and Pop played on the side that was average. But, yeah, I think that's an issue. The halves, I still stick to. What solid. about the wing spot? Kotrick, you've already had him in. I, oh, think I agree. He's been Good. safe we agree on that. this year, but, I, yeah. No, we agree. That's good. I had a bloke at work bring this up, and I he's a, he's a Roosters fan, but I saw his perspective, and we said this the other way. The talk about Tupo joining that left edge before he got injured because it would be an all-Roosters left edge. Latrell, Tupo, Kiri, Cordner, because I think Kiri's a shoo-in, but I've been on the Cody band, uh, the Cody Walker bandwagon very early. I'm still with that. They're, they're my halves. I know Cleary was there last year, but I, I, don't, I don't know you could deny Cody Walker his spot or Kiri. I think they have to be the halves. And I don't see why people don't think that Kiri can play seven. I think he's proved he can play seven. Mm. Uh, yeah. no, I agree. And I'll last year agree. you're saying, oh, we need a seven. Well, Nath didn't really play seven in origin. Maloney basically played what seven. What about your bench? Uh, if you want to get a I, bench I, right I, now. I really, I was looking at it today. Cameron Murray's sort of a non-negotiable. He's in my side. Yeah. It just depends on where you play Jake Jaborovic. If you play Jaborovic in the front row, it allows you to get Finucane and Murray into the side, which I like. 
I th- I plus, I mean, you, can you, still need, have you still need it. Yeah, you still need a. Yeah, if you're going to carry, Finucane just plays tight. Can simple. Murray can Murray cover nine? I think he can cover nine easily. Cool. I think Finucane forget lock. But I was more looking at if they if they go with Cleary or they go with Adam Reynolds for argument's sake in the halves as a specialise and they don't pick Walker. I'd want Walker on the bench as my fourteen. Well, I think if I, for me right now, I I don't think you can't you cannot not pick Cody Walker. He has to be in the seventeen. Well, I agree with you, but to me, he's my start six. So. If you ask me right now, I'd have Tedesco, Adokar, Latrell Mitchell, that spot, like you said, probably Raymond right now, Kotrick, yeah, Cody Walker, Kiri, Vaughn Cook and Clemmer your front row, your back row is Frizzell, Cordner, and I'd go with Jake. I'd have Murray on the bench. Yeah. I think he can play tight and he can also cover a bit of nine. Dale Finucane doesn't matter. He's like Jake. You can ball play and tip and all that, but he's in the middle. So front row, rotation, lock, doesn't matter. And then the two guys after that that I'm kind of looking at would be two debutants, and people may disagree, but I think Payne Haas is literally mm. – Kicking the door. I don't care how many games he's played. He's not just coming in and playing. Like to be playing those kind of minutes to be able to rack up that kind of work. His leg drive post contact. Yeah, yeah. Who's the other? He's one? incredible. And the other one's a guy I said earlier. To me, the real utility for me is a guy that you don't even have to sit there and worry about. Is Ryan Madison. Mm. Ryan Madison can play anywhere from center to half to middle to lot. We've seen him play all those spots. He was valuable yeah. at the Roosters. They couldn't afford to keep him. He's proven at the Tigers. And I have no problem again. The people. Oh, you need. You yeah, know, yeah, he can play back row, he can play middle. He plays everywhere. I have no problem with him being in my I side. I have no argument with what you're saying, but I think we need to sit down and really work, look at how you would make that work logistically with your interchanges. Who's Ooh. coming off when, where, how. And that's what I started to sort of have a look at logistically today. Um, realistically. You know, if, you pick, if you're picking Murray, Finucane and then a prop, I'm just not sure how you're going to roll all of them on. Well, basically, I'm looking at your two props. They're not playing full games. And you're not gonna, so you're not going to pick a back row on the bench or your back row would be Madison. Madison yeah, is a genuine back row who can play lock as well. He plays yeah. both those spots as good as any first grader yeah. or many first graders. So when you then there's the argument for a, a genuine back row like a Crichton who can cover centre. Again, I still think Madison can cover that spot. And then you could make an argument on the flip side of that for Tarek Sims last year who was that guy that I talked about where we're heading away from those bigger slower middles that we used to have when we've got guys now that play edge back row who have that leg drive and bump in the middle and the ability to get a quick play the ball. Mm. But I think he's been okay this year. It'd be ruthless probably to drop him, but I just think the form of these two guys, if you ask me, I don't think Freddie will pick them, but I think their form is really, really pushing to be included, much like a Murray and much like a Finucane. Well, I've got got nine of last year's team in. But there's been some forced changes. Like You don't want to force changes, but like Jack's obviously not playing. Yeah, and then, uh, the, and then you've injured. got the two, two force changes. So Roberts is basically there's 11, 11 there where you would have picked last year's players. Yeah, and there's a few guys and then that you're are just, just looking at the halves who are stinking up the joint and then your bench. And, and then your pick- bench should always change. You, your bench, if you're not good enough to make the starting side, you, you're not uh, shooing to be selected in every game. And a few of the guys that were part of the series only for a well, game or has gone. Sims came in late for game one. Uh, for game three, Pryor only played one Crichton game. Crichton isn't playing well enough. Campbell Peach Gillard is not only playing played well one enough. game and he was terrible. RCG isn't playing well enough. Ryan James has gone for the year. Matt Pryor was brought in as a specialist. Experience. He's not playing well enough. He got his Kiri game. was in the squad, didn't play, and Kotrick was in the squad, didn't play. Hmm. There was a, New South Wales only carried twenty two. There's plenty of last year, and and of those, you've got Debellin who's gone, who's out injured. You've got Ryan James who's out injured. You've got Tom Trebojevic, who's out injured. You've got James Roberts, who's in reserve grade. 
So you've got one, two, three, four of the 22 out that aren't even considered. So you've got you've only got basically 18 of last year's entire series winning squad to pick from anyway. Mm. If you wanted to argue, like I said, for a genuine back row between Sims and Crichton, I don't think Sims is, oh, sorry, Crichton's played anywhere near well enough. No, and, he, and he's been off an injury. But he didn't play a huge part last year's series either. So to me, it's not a huge change. No. Um, All right, let's move on. Yeah. The and nine then, position. Cameron yep. Smith, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? I don't see how he comes back. I, oh, I think, think he, he will now. I don't think he does. Okay. Well, so, there you go. We can we can let's not get into all the ins and outs of that. That's going to be something that will play out. Over I think the next if two that's weeks, not but... the case, though, they go with Hunt, and then they have Morgan yeah, play with agree. Munster unless DCE is back, and then Morgan's your bench utility if they don't play him in the centres. Gagai, Chambers, yeah. Oates, Felt just come back on the weekend. I reckon they'll rush him in. Pong is your fullback. The front row, you'd push Maguire in there. If he's healthy, he should be back in time with Papali, who's been outstanding. People are questioning whether he should be in or maybe in. He's been easily the one forward that would be a shoe-in to play middle for Queensland. Uh, the back row picks itself. I think Gillette, even though he hasn't been great, they don't have many options. Felice hasn't been that great, but I think part of that's been that edge hasn't been great for Melbourne full stop. Your lock's dry arrow, hands down. Mm. Your bench is where your questions are. Jared Wallace, Cohen Hess, mm. forms average. You can't reach for a Matt Scott. Gavin Cooper's too old. But then I think, after pick, that, I think they'll pick Matt Scott. I think Offer Hengawi, the last few weeks, has pushed back to that sort of form that'll get him in 200 metres on the weekend, almost the same the week before. I think he'll be around the mark for them. And then Napa was thrown up again to be picked even off his injury in a couple of games. Uh, there's Glasby, do you pick him? Welch from Melbourne's been talked about. I, I don't know what they do. I think 1-13 to 13 is pretty much picking itself at the moment, plus a bit of a lack of depth. But I think the bench is the real question for Queensland. I think we might see a few new players there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they've got a few guys, obviously Maguire, DCE, that they'll be sweating on, getting healthy and probably getting a game or two in, hopefully, yeah. before that series. But there you go. Set of six. It's another long one this week. But power rankings, let's jump into those. Brought to you by... The Penrith Solar Centre, and uh, a bit of a positive. Seems like a couple of people are starting to get in touch with the crew there, and Jake, so good stuff. If you're out there, if you're in Western Sydney or the Sydney area, get on to Penrith Solar Centre. They do an outstanding job, and as they say, defence is the best offence, so what defence have you got in place against nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist, and whilst you have little control over the team's outcome on the weekend, the expert team at Penrith Solar are devoted to giving you control of your power bill back. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good or great seats at the NRL Grand Final this year. Contact them today, 1800 2029 30, Jake and the boys, thank you very much. Number one, Sydney Roosters, Boxhead. Yeah, Roosters. Number two, South Sydney. I don't think there's South. much explanation. And number three, the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, that's clear. One, two, three. Number four, I've left the Raiders there. Me too. I think people are not taking into account the injuries that they've got. They still gave a good account of themselves to fight back on the weekend, and that is the opposite culture and attitude to what they had last year. Yeah. Number five, I left Manly again with the injuries they're dealing with, with the squad depth, with the coach, and to lose a couple more on the weekend, I thought they were right into it, up to their neck in that game for the most part. But the injuries killed them off. So for the now, I'm going to leave them at five. I've moved the Sharks up to five. I've they've knocked off Melbourne. They beat a Titans team with a bunch when of they kids. Lost. Yeah, and they lost their two props in the first 15 minutes. That's the Titans six. had every right to win that game. Six and Origin look, internationals. As I not said quite. earlier in the year, they're not. I'm not the biggest fan of the Sharks, but I've got them at five on the power rankings. Credit where credit is due, Jimmy. 
Well, I've been on the Sharky's bandwagon, though I've got them at six. I bumped them up. They beat your mob again. I know you've got a couple of injuries, but with a bunch of kids. Nah, but the Titans had every right to win that game. No Johnson. Every right to win no that Graham, game. No Graham, no Moylan, no oh, Woods, please. and then they lost Pryor. We're ever going to beat Cronulla. That was that the time was the, to do that it. That was the day. And the scary part is, like we talked about, the good kids they've got. Jack Williams, Braden Hamlin, Ueli stepped yeah. up big time. Chad Townsend's been absolutely No excuses for the Titans. Uh, they found a way to win that game, and it was a great win at six. Number seven, I've dropped Para down to that well, spot on. right My now. My number six is Para. Okay, so you've got them at six. Yeah, I've got them holding. Well, after the couple of shellackings, I know they had a couple of good wins, but basically the only thing that holds them in for me is the fact they're in the eight and there's teams down below them doing worse. But yeah. to go from that massive win to a big loss to then bouncing back, being down 14 zip, and then scoring 30-something points to bounce back against the Dragons, then turn up and get rocked by 64. Uh, they sit at 7th. I've got uh, the Dragons at 7th. Uh, well, I've got the Dragons down at 8th. Um, I know, again, a couple of injuries, a few guys, like we said, in Widdop and Jack DeBellin, haven't been on the field basically at all for a long time. $1.6 million sitting on the sideline. Uh, but I, I've got to the situation now where I'm looking at the coach and they're not making decent decisions with their bench but then I'm also looking above him and I know people say it's always good to have a football manager or a roster manager and take that away from the coach but what kind of job are they doing really with salary cap management and recruitment if they can't trust anyone else outside their top 30 to come in on their bench and do a job for them something needs to be looked at like they've got all their money basically spent up between 6 and 13 I know we're not moving on and that 6 spot will free up some money but they got Norman come in they can't help he got injured but make a decision on your fucking centres first of all and then outside of that top side, like Pearson, Lachlan Moreno, Lachlan Tim on a training trial who's played Queensland Cup. You've got Allgood who come back from England who's a solid veteran. If you don't trust him, like how do you have him there in your top 30? You need to be able to reach for something outside your top 30. Right now, they refuse to bring anybody in. So yeah. clearly, you don't trust your top 30 or you've done a poor job in the outside players. Fucking fix it. Do a better job. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the point I'm at with them. And honestly, if Newcastle keep winning the way they are, I'd happily put them in. But guess who they play this weekend? They play the Dragons. So if Newcastle win, if they win, Newcastle's in. Mudgee Town, yeah. Who's your eighth? Uh, I have Manly. I, Is it just, just the injuries though? I think that's a bit harsh. No, I, I think I'm not played convinced. Well on... I'm just not convinced by Manly. I, I think they're, they are more than overachieving Manly. More, and, definitely and overachieving. More than overachieving. They're killing it. Yeah, I, I'm just not convinced. Well, I've got them in my, in my eight, but... I just get a feeling that there's going to be a few teams run over them late, but I hope I'm wrong because I they've really earned, uh, to, you know, they've earned their spot in the eight. That's for sure. They've well, what they've had to had deal with? Bloody, they've they, they're the only they're the only team to beat South Sydney. Well, look what they've had to deal with. I agree. Tom's basically agree, not yeah. been on the field. DC is missing. Tapau, Fanua, Blake have both been out of the side. The other week they lost Croker halfway through the game and up with one half. On the weekend, they lost another three players. They've already had to go to the NRL for dispensation just to get Miski to play a couple of games. Mm. No one, there's had a couple of teams doing it tough, but Manly already didn't have depth. Then lost all uh, like a bulk of their quality players. They're really doing it tough, but the effort, like, it's the kind of thing, again, when we look at as a coach and a team you want to coach, that's the kind of group you want to coach. Yeah. Knowing that regardless of what you're putting down on the part, you'd walk in afterwards and you're going to pat blokes on the head or you're going to look them in the eye and go, you bloody did your absolute best. Mm. And that's all I can ask of you given what we've got at the moment. Um, he's done an outstanding job, Desi Asla, so good on him. But that's the power rankings for this week. Into the game reviews from the weekend. That game we spoke of, first one, Sharks, Titans, 26-18. With Fafita and Pryor gone early, plus those players we already mentioned missing, and basically a bunch of under-20s, New South Wales Cup kids pushed into play with Townsend, Gal, etc. There was every right for your mob to win. 
Um, I know you lost Boydie earlier, and I know James isn't playing, but with Arrow, Peachy, Brimson, Taylor, still a, a, a supposed array of talent that we've come to believe are going to do something. Cartwright, yeah. Proctor, etc. We just didn't see it. And then the fact they got to the 18-10 lead and blew it in the second half, just, oh, I, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know if it's the players. I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know if their recruitment shit. Like, it's it's just at a point where the, the Titans in general, mate, and I'm sorry, I don't like being that guy. I don't know where the fuck they go. From. I really don't know I don't, what they do. I don't do. know either. I really don't know. if What coach is ever going to be good enough? We were going to be future-proofed and... We're not future-proofed at all. Uh, We're in a better position with Neil Henry. I still really put a hard. Thing I blame right. Jared Hayne. Yeah, oh, that's where I, it all. I, I really kicked up a stick out of the year. Apart. A lot of people didn't agree with me. No, we, well, I agree. He you knifed know? Neil Henry. He caused the rot between the hard work uh, and culture he built the year before. And then I, 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 I think we've got to hold the highest-paid player to account. Ash Taylor's not playing. Ash Taylor's playing like a two-dollar player, not a one-million-dollar player. Mm. There's plenty He's of guys. Lucky to be in the NRL. Plenty of guys aren't playing to their worth, unfortunately. Oh, I agree with that. And look, I might might sound harsh on Taylor. I write him every week, but last year I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, you wrote him pretty hard last year. I sort of thought I'd suck it and see. And I just I really never thought, thought he was lived up to the kind of talent. I really thought, thought that the off season would be would be good for him to get a full off season under under Brennan. Uh, but he's come out playing like a bastard. So I, I don't know. We're we're shit. We we suck. Uh, they don't look interested. The players. They don't look engaged. They don't look passionate. They they can't if they can't beat a Cronulla reserve grade side or a Cronulla under twenty side. It's a mix of a Cronulla's reserve grade with kids, uh, some old kids. old heads who are well on the way out, like Gallon. Who's uh, outstanding, mind you. You know they're missing a shitload of players, Cronulla, and you look at the passion that their players play with. They look better coached. The club culture at Cronulla is much better. They, they, you know, they won a premiership two years ago. It just shows because they have an inferior talent, but they have a far greater work ethic, passion, enthusiasm, and willingness to play well in the jersey. Mm. The Titans don't have it. And imagine if the Titans are playing well at the moment because Brisbane are struggling, North Queensland are struggling. Queensland, it's there for the taking. It is, and it's, they've got, like I said, people can't say they don't have a good side. They, when, they, when, they do. When they were listed for the spoon, I'm sitting there going, Jai Arrow, Kevin yeah, Proctor. No, I, Forget about Cartwright. Whether he, if he does play to his potential, he's a very good player. But whether yeah. he gets there or not, it's a different story. Shannon Boyd, Ryan James, Nathan Peets, AJ Brimson is still trying hard, but he's off that surgery. Taylor, Roberts and Jacks were good backup depth. Peachy and Kelly to be your centers was an upgrade from last year. Michael Gordon, solid as a rock. Like, it's very disappointing so far. And again, uh, as much as I questioned Brennan when they first signed him, I, again, I, I like getting on board with the coaches. I think there's just a lot of guys, to be honest, and it happened previously that go to the Gold Coast for a piss take and for a contract. Yeah. And it's, it'd be a hard place to coach, so I'm going to cut him some slack there. I don't think it's an easy I don't think job. It is a hard, I don't think it's a hard place to coach. I've got to be honest. I, there's, there's much harder places to coach. Well, they need to make I some hard decisions the with recruitment then, if that's the case, Because recruitment seems to always be guys that are going there thinking they're invested in the club and then they don't. Like Boydie, they sign on good faith that... He was going to be a big-name signing. He's been poor so far. Peach on the weekend dished up five penalties in a couple of areas and had another poor game. He had some moments, but again, he did a lot more bad than he did good. Kevin Proctor from Melbourne, I think, was probably another one of those guys that maybe looked a lot better in Melbourne. I don't think he's played bad, but I think they may have overvalued what he yeah. was outside of Cronk and Billy Slater. So again, I'm not taking a shot at him at Billy. I think he's a good footballer, but he's not propped up in that system as he was in Melbourne. 
Yeah. Um, Arrow's turned out to be an absolute steal. Brimson looks like a, quite a talent, but it just seems to be a, a constant culture of whoever moves there. It, it's almost a piss take. Yeah. And Cartwright, if anything, I feel sorry somewhat to Brennan, even though I bagged him at the start for making that investment yourself and putting that noose around his neck, is letting down the guy who put faith in him to come up there and play good football. Yeah. So there's a bunch of guys that aren't doing what they should be doing and earning big dollar. Like literally doing just that, taking the piss. Yeah, but 45 missed tackles to 10 against we a bunch of We spoke about him far too long. Um, Move on. Yeah. Good shit game. Gallon, outstanding game, uh, leading those young blokes around. Chad Townsend was exceptional. Then the bench in particular, I thought their contribution. Braden Ueli, uh, Jack Williams, etc. Those guys come and did a very good job. And Josh Morris had an absolute blinder on the night. So good win by the Sharkies. Tigers-Panthers, 30-4. to uh, What do you say? Just absolutely absent. They were a soulless team. The first 15 minutes was just an absolute blitz, 24-0. Their contact, their line speed, their intent. Like, blokes even like James Fisher-Harris, who I love, retreating with their back turned to the play of the ball and those short side raids where they targeted to Ralph Fumano. Robbie Farragon cleaned through on a front row and James Tarmow. Uh, it was embarrassing. You know, I can basically sum this up by saying after that 24-minute period where they at least started to defend or have a somewhat of a crack, I thought the last 60 minutes was pretty dire, to be honest. Uh, it was 6-4 I think for the rest of the game wasn't it their and completions were pretty poor they completed the, under the game was over again. like to say oh we competed for the last 60 well that's horseshit because yeah. the game was over and the Tigers didn't play to the same standard after that either because they knew they had it in the bag but yeah. Benji Marshall made a huge difference full credit to him come back his kicking game and his leadership was outstanding Robbie Farrell obviously picked some nice moments there given the holes that Penrith left there for him and I thought Brooks as usual plays good when they're rolling forward and he has those guys enabling him just to play good running football uh, Masters, the back five. Alex Twile played all over Campbell Gillard and the guys opposite him. And Ryan Madison, again, had an absolute blinder. Set a couple of tries up, had some tough carries, scored a nice try, showed that versatility and just what a quality pickup he was from the Roosters. And again, as much as I say, I'm sure they'd hate to lose him, it was more a salary cap thing. And they've got plenty of quality guys there as compared to one player. But he's a really good footballer. He really, really is. Penrith, uh, I know a lot of people are kicking Nath while he's down, but... Playing behind that forward pack and what's going on there right now, it's not an easy place to play, but I really don't think he's been that bad. Mm. I think the main thing is, while he's not lighting the world on fire, I think his effort's still there. I think he's still getting the football. He's trying to make something happen. Um, he was busy the other night. He ran for over 100 metres. He kicked, he chased. He, he did all he could do, but that whole team right now, there's not a whole lot of positive you can say about anybody. Um, there's not. Their effort's poor. Their body language is poor. Their effort's poor. Their execution is poor. Tyrell Fuimono was playing out of position. They moved him from right centre to left centre. The Tigers then went to the right side and scored another try. Still did that anyway. Uh, For the rest of the game, it was a stinker. It fizzled out. I'd be disappointed with the second half if I was Michael Maguire, but you can cut your team some slack when they're winning 30-4 to and the air just goes out of the game. So Ivan Cleary will be having some sleepless nights. I think the assistant coaches will be having some sleepless nights because they've been a little bit of a protected species at the Panthers for the last two or three years because they've had some coaching movement and had Gus there but now Gus has gone and Ivan's on the hot seat and as are the assistant coaches and a lot of the staff there so um, it's perform or perish time at Penrith yeah and they've made some changes this week Mansour made four errors on the night hasn't looked uh, all that confident this year got bundled over the sideline a couple of times when he had chances where in the past you'd expect him just to bulldoze or cut back in He's lacking confidence. He's been dropped. Regan Campbell-Gillard's in the reserves, so he's possibly not going to be playing either. And Wade Egan was admitted. I don't know whether that was injury or not, but he missed a couple of tackles, made an error, got frustrated. But when Katal came on, he gave away three penalties and wasn't yeah. much better. So he's in between a rock and a hard place right now, unfortunately, Ivan Cleary. 
And Dylan Edwards has been recalled for Caleb Aiken. So to be honest, I think he's just been doing a solid job. But um, yeah, they're, they're obviously looking for answers. They're giving a couple of guys a reprieve and a chance, and they're dropping a few big names. Interesting so. because Dylan uh, Edwards dropped made six errors in that Melbourne game and didn't get dropped. Mm-hmm. Now Mansell's made four and got dropped. So the criteria obviously is shrinking for Ivan, and his patience is shrinking. Well, I think he's actually. I don't know where I saw it. Again, somewhere today when I saw that drop that somebody put up straight away that I think Mansell has made the most errors in the comp or close okay. to in okay. his position. Look, so. I'm not defending. No, I'm, I'm not bagging okay. Ivan, but no, no. I'm just saying that But also, it's at the same clear time, that his, his patience is wearing thin. When you've got someone in form and you've got a guy who's not playing that well, they've got a young bloke in Brian too who we both know about. He's just, who, been, he's just been put into the top 30 this week. He'll he, play this week. Yeah, he's playing that position. But he yeah. played the New South Wales Reddins last year. He's his first year out of 20, so he's showing that he can go from 20s into cup. And he's just made the basically the cup rep team. So that's saying you are one of the best wingers in New South Wales Cup. And he's a kid uh, who we cut. as a, I was a part of the Harold Matthews staff. He, he got cut. Was very close to playing Harold well, Matthews. I tried to get into my brother's side. Playing I come at, back uh, and started coaching. Blacktown Workers, I think he was. And he, he was. look, he was good. He was he was only little. He was this is a bloody tries. This hard, is though. at sixteen, and in four years, five years, he's come a hell of a long way. And and that's, that's why. fantastic that work yeah. effort. He's a little pit bull terrier. He so rips any in. kid that misses out in Harold Matthews or SG Ball, just keep ticking away. Be a Brian too. Be yeah. ruthless. Work hard. Get your hands on the footy and get busy. If there's a bloke yeah, that gets dirty, to start on the wing. He gets dirty. He gets in there. He finds the ball. He'll carry plenty of time. He's much like Mansour in that sense. He's a shorter guy, but he rips in and he does that yardage work and he fights for every metre he gets. So let's hope they get a bit of a spark this week. But good win for the Dylan, Tigers. Dylan Edwards straight back in at fullback. Yeah, that's what I just said before. Sorry, Aikens yeah, is out. I, yeah, wow. You've zoned out on me, brother. No, I didn't zone out on you. I, surprising. And uh, Wanga Blake straight back in. Thought Kikau as well shouldn't have played. I know they said he was good to go, but you could see he didn't have that pop in his legs. He was definitely underdone or needled. So. Um, yeah, Tigers, up and down sort of couple of weeks for them as well, but good win. Benji good, Brooks good, Twal, Madison, etc. But moving on from that one, Broncos Manly, 26-10. I thought uh, this was a good win on the Broncos side of things because, in all honesty, I thought Manly had the best of the first half hour or so. They did. They applied pressure. They got some repeat sets. They came at them. And, again, they're, they're, they're undermanned at this point in time, but their attitude and effort is absolutely outstanding. But... Brisbane saw themselves for that tough period, and the late try that Milford got before half time was a massive confidence boost, I think, for them heading into half time. And then when they came out on the back end of that, they had a bit of a blitz period there of their own. Found another try, found a couple of times where they got Brendan Elliott out of position and put some grubber kicks in there and scored. And uh, the bo- the pass that Boyd threw for Corey Oates was an absolute cracker on the run where he scored his try. And the middles and just the, the energy and the attitude change. Shibasaki coming in on that wing, him and Bird provided plenty. Staggs was better defensive than what Roberts clearly was those few weeks before and patched up that edge. Dearden steering things around, which releases Milford to do what he does best, which is run, and his kicking game was excellent. Pungai Jr. back in, Haas 200-plus metres in the minutes he's playing. Offhand Gowie off the bench 200 metres. Like, you know, I, I feel for Manly because they lost some players as game went on, ended up with only one on the bench. And coming into this week, I think they get a couple back, but they're still under injury clouds. But I still think they gave a real good account of themselves considering what they had to work with. Um, Trebojevic as always every week great Tapia great Manisi Farnan who continues to go from strength to strength but uh, injuries have just crueled their season they really have and, and actually the other one I probably forgot for Brisbane Jake Turpin in only second or third game he's a former Melbourne product that didn't really get a look in there for obvious reasons with Cameron Smith but the energy he provided, I thought he made a real difference around the ruck just having a bit more speed than what McCulloch has had on the back of that knee injury I thought that was uh, the biggest factor in this game. I think it really, really unlocked uh, 
the nine, Brisbane's uh, the attack. It got the halves playing a little bit more direct, obviously, because your nine's coming out and playing straighter. It yeah, just pulls the halves. Right. Well, it just pulls the halves onto the ball to be more direct. It also allowed them to play a little bit wider and a little bit narrower. They mm. didn't have to sort of play that stock standard width off the play the ball, probably in between the A and B defender, because you know McCulloch's just going to hit you on that on that width of the pass. You need to be on your heels and you need to play flatter when you know that you've got a nine that could potentially take off because you need to be there to support. So I think it really it, it diversified Brisbane's attack and as soon as they got a quick play the ball, they looked really, really dangerous. So, But you nailed it. I think this game, you could put this game down to the possession that Manly had early and the fact that Brisbane, unlike weeks prior, were able to defend it's their line tough, and man. turn them away and Manly rely on... You know, taking advantage of the minimal chances they get, they're not they're not talented enough to produce several opportunities to attack the opposition's goal line. So when they do, they need to take advantage of them. Brisbane were good enough to turn them away, and that was the story of the game. And the other thing is, they didn't score conventionally either. The two times that they identified that Elliot was out of position, and got those kick tries. Yeah, yeah. You're going up against a team in Manly who have excellent goal line defense, so you've got to find other ways to get yourself. I lost in there. no admiration for Manly out of nah. this game, and they lost three players during the game as well. In Fordham, yeah. Brisbane ended up losing mm-hmm. Pangai Junior and Bird. Obviously, that was a huge blow that ACL. Um, but still a good result for them moving forward, and a real test this week, a real hard test in the Roosters. So, uh, yeah, moving forward for both those sides, see how they go this week. Knights dogs three in a row for the Knights, but it's the third time they kind of got out to a bit of a lead and let a team come back close. But like those three weeks, if you're going to do that, you want to see your team finish the job off, which they did. Uh, first half, I think they probably should have scored maybe another couple of times given the possession they had and some of the opportunities and thought they probably could have taken a bit more advantage of that. But second half, dogs came after them a little bit. It could have easily been 22-0, but Remus Smith picks a perfect pass there off Pierce that he took for the 95-meter intercept when they were short of numbers. You usually got to come up with a man or the ball, don't you? And uh, he's just a class player. He'd come up with the ball. And then after that, they kind of had a bit of a momentum swing. They got some possession. They got some repeat sets off Cogger and Foran. And Foran, even though he's busted, like, and we know he's not worth that price tag and his health's not always going to be that reliable, but my God, he's good to watch when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. That sweet play and some of the things he came up with, he was denied a try off an obstruction. By the black and white of the rule, it was an obstruction. And then the second one where he ran the sweet play and created numbers on the short side, that was excellent. But uh, yeah, I thought the effort was there from the dogs again, but a bit of a slow start. And in the end, I don't think they were too happy because Pierce definitely did knock that ball on in the ensuing break-up field to lead to Ponga getting foreign one-on-one and just absolutely breaking his ankles to score that game-winning try. Uh, so, yeah, they, they could feel a little bit hard done by, but, but in all honesty, I'm not saying they couldn't have won the game, but I thought Newcastle should have won by more. So, yeah, that's not taking yeah, away from the dogs. But... I, I thought Newcastle had their chance to really put the game away and they missed that chance. Then the Bulldogs got a little possession, had a little bit of luck go their way. And then it got, to, I think, it got to 18 10. And you just thought uh, the dogs got an intercept try and they got a little bit of momentum. I, I don't know. I never really felt like the Knights were under threat, probably apart from a five minute period there where they had to hang tough. But. They're still learning how to win. That there's still questions there at Newcastle. You know, when it went to 1810, they got a little bit nervous and started looking around. Um, but it's three in a row now. They're going to build confidence out of that. Um, who do they play this week? They play Dragons. Dra- that's 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 a huge game, such a huge game. So uh, we're planning to be up there to Hopefully. visit our yeah grandparents, but uh, to get up there for the footy as well. And what a game to to see! It's going to be sensational. Yeah. 
I think uh, for them, Mitchell Pearce has led this resurgence along with Ponga, who had a quiet game on the weekend. They did a pretty good job neutralising him, but he still was involved in two critical moments. He threw a nice pass to put Homer Hunt through a hole just because he does attract defenders. He's obviously good at creating space. And then late in the game when he broke Foran's ankles. But Pearce is leading from the front. I think SESA off the bench was absolutely massive. Clemmer against his old club had a good game as well. Uh, dog side of things, I think Napa's been pretty good actually since he's come back. 20 runs for 185 on the weekend. Good effort. Remus, Jackson and Tolman are every week, guys. There's a lot of stuff you don't see off the ball and you might look at numbers and go, oh, that wasn't impressive. But when you actually watch the game close, like you're saying, from a coaching perspective or from the flip side of it, just a little effort areas. Um, yeah, I think it's that the frustrating that dogs hear from every week. I think there's a lot of good signs from young kids. You're just lacking a few decent marquees and better depth in your squad. Yeah. So hopefully right. with that experience and when the money frees up, they make good decisions, they get good players in. But moving on from that one, Warriors-Dragons. I didn't get to watch this probably as close as what you did, but obviously you were very frustrated after with some interchanges and a lot of fans who have... Fiends? Event, fiends have vented frustration to me and I've called for patience on their side and some of the things they do, but even I am a bit angry this week when I constantly see no changes and fuck-ups with the bench and carrying centre wingers and interchanging centre wingers and when you've got a top 30 and you refuse to use people outside your 30 which clearly says you've done a shit job in recruiting outside your 17 mm. well, I'll tell you what Buzz was missing from Controversy Corner on Well I wonder Sunday. why mate did he have a big weekend at Magic I hope Ground? he's alright I hope I genuinely hope that he's he's in good health and Did he have a Magic Weekend maybe had a bit of a bender mate I don't know Three mate. days special in the crowd beating up Mini Buzz the old kidney and liver and just going to cop a bit of that okay. son well, what are we talking about? Yeah, dragons. It. I. I. I don't know. Well, you, you started I, I, a forum with some fans. You're I quite don't angry. So. I, I don't get it. I, they, their starting forward pack was tearing the Warriors a new one. They left James Graham on the field for 63 minutes. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. They had Paul Vaughan off at one point in time. They had Vaughan off, Sims off, Frizzell off. Uh, they replaced um, Zach Lomax with Ewan Aitken, so just burn an interchange, set it on fire. Mm. Uh, and there was one, uh, and then they had James Graham on dead legs. They had Blake Laurie on dead legs. Um, Jacob Host was on dead legs. The Warriors score, and then he rushes all these players back out. I just fucking go, what are you doing? I. It looks like he's got a little sheet in front of him that he's just dotted out in crayon before the game, and he's just following it through. I, why? Why they picked the outside back on the bench, and then Lomax was having a fairly good game, I thought, and you're just wasting an interchange. That, that also takes that's the whole point. You put Lomax into the side, wasn't it? The goal kick. Well, you bring I... him off the field in a critical moment when you're behind and you need to kick your goals. I I don't get it. I, I look. I know that. A lot of the Dragons fans can probably exaggerate, you know, some of the things that McGregor's done. But just watching that game, I thought the coaching and the interchanging had an impact on that game. That's all I'm saying. In this one, I'm not saying it's it's been for weeks or years or months or whatever. No, but just in this game, sitting and watching it, I thought the timing and uh, the selection and choice of interchanges had a huge impact on the yep. flow for the Dragons. And again, another one of these moments, again, where I cut a little bit of slack, like I said, with no having no DeBellin, and then Sims obviously has the injury. But outside of that, that's, say, 19 players. I don't know, Widop's out. But you've got Josh Kerr, who they clearly don't trust because they won't play him. They've had Allgood there for two years, now they won't play him. they got Lachlan Tim this offseason, they won't play him. And then they signed a bunch of outside backs they didn't really need. 
in Jonas Pierce and Lachlan Moreno when they've already got a rich of talents in Aitken, Lomax, etc. Ravalo, who they can't even fit in the side. So I'm a bit confused with what you're doing with the excess top 30 players. Tristan Saylor, fullback, 5'8", wing utility again. When you've got players in those positions, doesn't really make sense, even if you do like him as a junior. Uh, yeah, there's a couple there that I just look at and I go, oh, well, you need forward depth, clearly, regardless of whether these guys come back. And you needed that same issue addressed last year and they didn't address it this offseason. Yeah. So I think part of that comes down to Millwood and that kind of side of things because they take the recruitment away from the coach. And I get people say you need a football GM who's looking long-term, not to short-term, but they need to work more in sync, clearly. Yeah. Um, because they obviously don't have anyone outside of a couple of those injuries they trust to come in, which is pretty piss poor. But on the flip side of that, yeah, no excuse for those interchanges. You got off three origin slash a couple of international style players there that you fucking all got sitting on the bench at one time when you're up. And just blow all your momentum, then put yourself on the back burner, and then put a center out there off an interchange. He's probably not feeling that great because you're already basically showing that you don't have faith in him, even if you're saying it's a goal kicker. It still hurts as an outside back when you're coming off the bench. And then that edge that's getting torn apart with Lomax when he was on the field gets torn apart when Aitken went on the field anyway. Mm. The one thing I did find very poor, I know Ben Hunt made the error, um, and then obviously came up with the poor read, which cut him on that edge again. But for Fox Sports, or I think it was, everyone was buying up the other day, and the players got very angry about it. To show the grand final drop again and to kind of kick a man while he's down in that moment, that, that was pretty piss weak. Hard to, hard to argue. I, like, you know the thing that shits me out? Because again, you know what? Also, the, the person producing that video and the person, the people making all the comments never played a game of first grade in their life. Exactly. But what, what's going to happen in a week Tough or two game. when he goes to Origin? They're going to want to talk to him, aren't they? The media and Fox that's, and all these people. That's a good point. And you want him to be available. That's Guess what? Point. You want people to be available... It's one thing to go, oh, he made an error. Don't fucking put up a highlight reel of the grand final. Like, just, yeah. How far back do you want to go? 2015, we all know what happened. It was a terrible moment. Like, you think he's ever going to forget it? Clearly he's not going to forget it. Yeah. And I know he's on big money and there's pressure there, but like, Jesus Christ. You, you... I think he's more than earned his money. I, it, I think he, he's played well. He, he handled it very, very well afterwards, but I, I don't really blame the players for blowing up. And I know people going, oh, well, the players, the players do do. I love do. that, but I, Look, when we went to Bank West and watched and we sat in amongst the Dragons families... Uh, I I felt as though they all get along well. Hmm. I think there's a good feeling around that team. They they look like they're friends. They look like they're close. They look like their families are close. It's it felt warm. It's a good club. Yeah, I I, I like what they're doing. It's a good there. club. I, so look, I, just just ignore it, Benny Hunt. Keep playing. I, I like Benny Hunt. It was the NRL players like in Hunt. general. I think Brisbane would love to have Benny Hunt on their roster. Yeah, I think the players in general got behind him. I don't blame, but I'm just. From an all-round point of view, again, they preach mental health and all these other bits and pieces and all that kind of stuff and not kicking someone while they're down. Like, he's never done anything bad off the field, so why have that moment? Like, mm-hmm. I get when they go after players that have been repeat offenders or been dickheads or they go after in the media, all that stuff, I'm fine with. That's all well and good. If you're asking for it, fine. But for a bloke who's never done anything wrong, he, he had a massive moment in the grand final. Yep, he's never going to let it go. Mm-hmm. So why do it to him again? He didn't have a great game. Yep, fine. But don't kick him while he's down and bring that back. Like that's that's poor taste. And then in a week or two, when you want him for a special or an interview or an Origin Camp thing, if he was to brush you off, you'd have the shits and you wanted to make himself available, but don't drag him to the mud. Agree. Bit harsh. But in this one, going back to that game, I guess, yeah, fast start, good first half, rolled to the middle, cut into pieces. McInnes was operating to that middle third. Vaughney, Graham with a nice tip on. They put a nice try on there. I thought they offloaded plenty. They chanced their arm. Uh, Field was the beneficiary of one of those offloads as well, but then they conceded a pretty soft one from... Parsi crashing over and that a late chance, but uh, to get into halftime. Uh- Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 18-16, you kind of looked at it and thought, if they go out in the second half and they continue to roll through the middle, get some offloads and try and run them ragged, they'll, they'll have a good chance. Roger Tilvashashet looked like the only guy who's really been that dangerous. But second half, like you're saying, they got a bit of fatigue in. They stuffed up those interchanges. They left some guys out there who shouldn't have been out there all together at once, and the Warriors started to come to life. Roger Tilvashashet took this game by the scruff of the neck. You also had Kane Lawton who came off the bench when those guys were cooked and made two or three clean line breaks, which were pretty awful. And I just think their right edge, my issue isn't so much stru- uh, structure, it's decision-making. They had three times there with our passive on the goal line where we've talked about before, you've just got to come forward at least and put grass behind you. So if you miss or you make a bad play, there's hopefully room to recover. They literally backpedaled to their own sideline, corner and try line and it's that contest where we talk about. If you're flat, if you're backwards and your hips are turned out, nine times out of ten, Nanny Noel is going to walk past you with her, her walker. Mm. How do you make a decision that body position? And then the last one, Ravalawa come running after Hunt went in. Hunt made the mistake to rush in on that read, but Ravalawa came into the right man, but then did the 80% run in, stop, stutter, and go again. Like, if you're going to come in, just ice somebody. Yeah. Like, he, he was there, but he hesitated after making 90% of the run in. Like, so they've, they've clearly got issues there. People said it was Aiken, uh, and now they've got Lomax in there. It hasn't got any better. They had some issues down there against the Parramatta the other week. So whether it's them, whether it's Hunt at the halves, and they're not communicating, but you need some stability on an edge. So if you're going to have half back rower, center winger, etc., like those combinations need to start. Mm-hmm. He dropped rather lower to the bench the week before. Had Lomax in. Now he's dropping Aiken. Like you can't keep changing an edge. It doesn't seem like a big deal maybe to the punter out there, but the amount of time you put in building those combinations, the kind of cohesion you need to have in those three positions in particular, half center winger, it needs to be locked down. So either Aiken's the center, or Lomax is the center for goal kicking, and a rather lower is that winger. Like mm-hmm. just make your mind up. Correct. And be more po- like that in video. That's going to be pretty easy. You're backpedaling to your own try line and shifting sideways. Get off. Make a decision. If we stuff up, at least put enough pressure on to make them throw a poor pass, hit a man, and maybe bounce off and let our inside defenders try and slide across and help us. But if you're going to stand on the line like a foosball soccer table and just slide on the same stick, all it does is one little thing off your inside shoulder or a poor miss or a bump over, and you're done. And that's how Hiku had enough time to do that awesome changeover in hands that he did. We threw a dummy in about a metre of space in the corner and score. Realistically, two blokes and a guy coming in a corner there, he's not going to pass the winger. Ice him. Mm. But they're very passive, so... Uh, Move on. Full credit to the Warriors. Good win. Shaq, outstanding. Lawton. Uh, Taylor Harris had a pretty good game. Pass has been pretty good this year. Dragons, couple of those middles. McKinnis had a pretty good game, but yeah, uh, back end of the game. Another loss after leading, unfortunately. Two in a row. So not a good habit to get into. Storm Eels, 64 to 10. Uh, again, not one I got to see a whole lot of, but I don't think I really need to say much else, do I? You don't. 64 to 10 for a reason. They defended quite poorly. There was lots of offloads and they were beaten in every aspect and area of the game. And the amount of long distance tries is probably the biggest alarming thing for me. They weren't close crash ins or rolling up field tries. There was a consistent theme of multiple misses, extra passes, and Melbourne kind of running right through all parts of the field. Well, yeah, they they got torn a new one. 
They made errors in their own end. They piggybacked Melbourne out of their own end and they had no defensive resilience. Simple as that. They quit. They played soft. Brad Arthur said that. Simple. Yep. Munster had an absolute field day. Smith and the width they played with, they switched plays. They got to both edges. They lost their fullback. He got wiped by Sevo, who got sent off and then brought out Pappenhaus. New again in a 30-minute stint. Absolutely tore him a new arsehole as well. Found himself a couple of tries and an assist. Uh, the Fox down that edge and a couple of misses that led to him. Curtis Scott's couple of tries and no offence to him. He had a bit of a selfish moment that ended up leading to that injury when he could have easily tipped the ball on the outside. I think they would have been pretty frustrated with that. Is that a bit of him maybe wanting to prove a point because he was out of the side for a few weeks? I don't know, but now the poor bugger is going to be out for 12 weeks with a fractured foot. So yeah. uh, all in all, again, there's not a whole lot to go about flow of this game. There was 10 minutes without a try and then Melbourne scored 64 points. It was 30-6 to six at half time. Uh, that's not an NRL standard by Parramatta. That's very poor. Excellent response, I guess. The main thing in for Melbourne in what Craig Bellamy said last week, after a couple of wins that were very, very close, he wasn't happy. They had a poor loss to a young Shark side again who overachieved in that win and got a great result and basically said that wasn't up to standard. I'm starting to question how hard a couple of these blokes are and if they don't play to the level we expect at the Melbourne Storm, what I expect, I'm going to find new players. He didn't fart us around. He made it pretty clear. And he got the response he was after. Yeah. Melbourne were excellent. Uh, moving on from that one, Roosters Canberra. I quite enjoyed this game considering uh, just the way it figured out. Uh, the, the Roosters punched him in the mouth very well in their front row. Did a great job. They got him around the ruck. They were getting on the edges. James Tedesco was just a class above everybody. He popped up and sized him to the middle of the field. He picked him on an edge. The pass he threw for Ikevali was an absolute cracker before Radley uh, you know, got one through the middle there and he found a, a, a try. Uh, just... I don't know. They, they, they responded. They got one back, but then the Roosters obviously punched out two quick ones before halftime with the trail Mitchell there. 24-6, couple of guys went off. Cordner got knocked out. Tupo, that neck injury, we're obviously worried about. Uh, and there's one more I'm not thinking about. The trail obviously went off the groin. At that point, we're a little bit worried. He missed the three. You got one left on your interchange, and he ended up having to reshuffle his whole back line. So you get Orbison, Crichton playing out the edges as well. Uh, and then you're just worried about petrol and interchanges. But in Canberra, come out second half, get a bit of flow, get a possession, fight their way back into the game and started to find a bit of love. Charles Nickel Clogg started and a couple of guys created opportunities. Croker bombed one, that a couple of no tries, but then he pinballs Nickel Clogg started and, and scores a pretty nice try. Whiten, when they build pressure and get some repeats, puts a grubber through, makes the effort, gets there himself and then Papali just bustles through three or four, gets a ripper offload for them to get to Whitehead and score again through Oldfield and at 30-24, you're legitimately worried. Uh, are they going to run out of legs? Are they out of puff? Latrell comes back on. They create a lovely opportunity. Was it forward? Was it not? I think a lot of people thought it wasn't a forward pass to Gavali to ice the game. Like you, I think you were pretty angry at the time, weren't you? Latrell's tip on at the end there. Oh, I think it was forward. So that goes the other way. And Canberra have an opportunity last play of the game to score. And Nick Kotrick, I don't know what he's been working on passing-wise. I know he's a winger, but clearly he's never thrown a pass left or right shuffled in his hands to get it into one hand and threw the most blatant forward pass you've ever seen. Yeah. So clearly they've got to work on that because, honestly, if that goes back in field, we're going to go on point. Uh, so I guess the big takeaway for me is Roosters, again, resilience, under adversity, changes, quality of players, led by Tokiaho and Rhea Hargraves, taken to that forward pack, Tedesco, just absolutely exceptional. And then on the flip side of that, Canberra getting down in the hole, coming into the game, no Tapai, no Lalua. They lost Rapana during the game as well and show a lot more than what they use. and Bateman missing as well they show the resilience and the attitude they didn't have last year they fought back they almost took a golden point they never went away 
they got stuck into the Roosters in the second half and gave a much better account of themselves. But this is a game I'd like to see again with all those players on the field to get a real, real yeah. taste. But unfortunately, uh, Leigh Lewis seems to be out for the season. Bateman, I don't know if they play again this year when he's going to be back. And the other guy in that one is Rapana. They're not sure yet whether it's a PCL or an ACL. So that, that could be a pretty significant loss. But I, I just think early on they, they got him. Got them in too many good spots. Their halves and the link-up work and how deep they get in the line. They got their questions to their edges of Canberra to question themselves, and they got them a few times there. And the play through the middle, that their forward pack got over the top of them early doors. Uh, they, they really did. Tokyo, where Hargraves were outstanding. So uh, the, the scariest one. Oh, there was me. more injuries to the Roosters. Tedesco. They brought them back well. in. Not so much the good work from Canberra. It was 30 to 6. Uh, so nope. Canberra, a lot of people sort of starting to say things about Canberra and, you know, that maybe that's they've had a good draw and that's why they're they're going well at the moment or that they've got good results early. But I don't know whether I subscribe to that or not. I, I think they're a fair side. Um, we just have to see them perform a little bit better against some of the top-end teams, I guess. Yeah, well, I didn't lose any respect for Canberra given the way they fought back, but I thought Charns was good. Papali's been good all year. I thought Whiten had another solid game, but Roosters, Tokiara, Rhea Hargroves, Latrell and his rare moments again. Teddy, Kiri and Cronk's combination with them on the field together. Uh, yeah, I, I, the Roosters did well, but again, under adversity. Last one of the round, South Cowboys. This is another one of those games where a fast start seemed to make the difference. Cook just went on an absolute blitz for a 15-minute period there where he just... Jumped out on to play the ball, and he got O'Neill. Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't O'Neill. What am I bloody thinking about here? He hit Sam when he jumped out and got the line to hold up, put him through a nice hole because he delayed the middles and got him a one-on-one on the edges. Not long after that, he jumps again, isolates Scott, puts Murray on him. Murray's footwork, just bang off the right. Easiest try you're ever going to score. And then slides through off a quick play the ball where the A defender was very, very wide. Morgan and B already slid off, so he just burns the A defender who was a front rower gets to the line and he's that quick he almost has to put a bit of loft on the cutout pass he threw for Turner to reach out for him before you know it it's 18-0 they were just absolutely punching holes through him Cowboys they didn't go away they got some possession late they fought back up the other end of the field laid on a couple of tries for O'Neill. The, the the kick that Morgan put in was an absolute cracker that banana kick instead of the pass and Dunn's layoff pass so 18-10 at half time you'd be filthy if you're the Rabbitohs yeah. to be honest given what you You've done to them. They had a little power nap and it cost them. Yeah, but coming out in the second half, they put it away fairly early as far as giving them a sniff. Cody Walker had a shit pass thrown to him, picked it up off his toes, cut back inside, beat like five defenders to make it 24-10. And from that moment onwards, it only took another five or ten minutes. I think it was Burgess dropped back under by Reynolds, just went straight to the guts, ran 40 metres and Cook jumped from dummy half. Good luck. So once it got to 30-10, to 10, the Cowboys laid on, got some opportunities, I thought, when South kind of went to sleep again and they got one try off Opacek, but finished off with a penalty and a send-off to finish 32-16. And South showing again with no Braden Burns and having to, you know, get a couple of new guys in late in the piece and Liam Knight, Nichols, Lowe on their bench that they're a quality side. Mm. They've got a great spine. Their nine just keeps going from strength to strength. Reynolds and Walker are playing out of their skin. Reynolds is running the show. Walker's just freewheeling off the back of it. And Johnson's got some good confidence off that. But I think he may have got injured on the weekend, so there's talk. He'll be out this week. We haven't seen the lineups yet, but we'll have a look at those in a moment. Um, but other than that, he's got all the Burgesses firing. George, even with his injuries. Sam's playing out of his skin. Murray's there. They've more than covered that hole that everyone thought would be left by Crichton. I think their bench is good. Tatola, Knight, Lowe, all do a job. 
Yep. And Turner, again, people under Wayne Bennett and whatever he does to get people's confidence back. He was a big part of that grand final side a couple of years ago. Had a bad neck injury. Barely a part of the furniture the last two to three years. Now he's playing great first grade again. Not just solid first grade. He's doing more than a good enough job to be playing that centre position right now mm. as back row. So full credit to their side. Um, Cowboys... Thought Morgan busted his backside again. O'Neill's had a strong return to first grade, playing some good football. And Tumbalolo was okay, but just outclassed, too old, too slow, not enough points, not enough attack, not enough go forward. I thought they'll beat in every aspect of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. Some issues for the cows. Don't know really what some else to issues. say. But moving on, we'll jump into some fan questions. Boxhead, as I bloody try to load these. Is there 150 million? Oh, I, th- I think there's some that we won't have to go over because I think a lot are going to be related to some stuff right, well, we've already covered. But Robert Sim, everyone loves. Everyone knows him on the KFC bandwagon. Yeah, for fuck's They're sake. They're everywhere. Another KFC question. Hot and spicy or original? Yeah. Both. I love both. The original recipe's right up there. Jaden Cecil, another guy saying that he approved Magic Round. He went up there and he thinks we should take it to Melbourne next year rather than Sydney at Bankwest as everyone will be fighting for a ticket. Friday night football, what on earth is going on at Barra? Well, we've already kind of covered that, haven't we? Mm. Well, we don't know. But I think signing the coach, you'd agree, is a good idea moving forward. Uh, just a decision now of sorting out a couple of those players and some of those contracts. And if they're not going to keep a lot of those guys, where they're going to move on from there. Richard Cronium, another Para fan. Has Para done the right thing by giving Gutherson and Ayub an ultimatum? Yes. You it's, need a decision. It's a, it's a distraction. You need a decision because of what Brock said earlier. If they're Shouldn't interested in really. Dallin and that option is before June 30, I'm sure they'll take it right now if they can, uh, if the rumours are true that he possibly will be moving on. You can't go on forever, plain and simple. When Ivan got to the Tigers, I thought that was the best thing they did. They dragged on those four contracts that whole time. He walked in, said, bang, 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 this is what we think you're worth, this is final offer, take it or leave it. Moved on from it, played some good football, got a couple of guys in late. Brooks is the only one who ended up staying. Uh, yeah. That's the best way to handle it. You can't, you can't go on forever, that's for sure. Daniel Friend watched Roger Tilvashashek live for the first time on the weekend and cannot believe how quick his feet move. Is there anyone that has surprised you with speed or size or skill the first time you've seen them live? Uh, that's a good question. I think Kalen Ponga surprised me when I saw him live. I think the, he'd be the most recent. Movement-wise, I think for me, I'd heard a lot about Kikau when he was still playing 20s about the size of the guy and that he was playing front row and he scored. He was the leading try scorer that year. I, then I went and saw him in person a couple of years ago. Row. And the way he moved for a prop uh, and the footwork and the speed and that, like for size to power ratio and movement and footwork, that, that's the scariest thing I've probably ever seen. Mm. Yeah, it, like Obviously, he's doing a great job in first grade now, but this was as a 19, 20-year-old. I was blown away. Yeah. Joel Bradica, why don't the captains do a press conference these days? Also, would you rather lunchtime Sunday game instead of a Thursday game? Oh, I just think I always preferred Monday night football. I thought Monday was like a gift after working the first day of the week. I think Thursday's a bit of a slap in the face because it makes me feel like the weekend's starting and then i got to go to work the next day. Yeah. I know you could say you got to go to the work the next day after Monday footy, but Monday footy is a reward for the worst day of the week, in my opinion. Monday, hard day. I think we're looking too far into it. Sunday lunch, I guess that could be a possibility, but for TV dollar, a lot of people on Sunday, that's their only day off with the way the world works these days, work-wise, having kids, sport, etc., uh, I don't know if they get the eyes they want for that kind of time slot. So that's probably the, the big thing there for TV dollar. The Buckstar said, should there have been a send-off in the Storm versus Paragon? The send-off is basically dead at this stage. Literally, someone would need to have their head taken off from a high shot, and I'm still not confident the refs would send somebody off. So clearly talking about Mike Acevo's shot to Hughes. Yeah, I'll, 
I think, isn't it intentional? It needs to be intentional to be a send off. A... I, I don't know. I look if we're if we're going on the scale of severity, it was severe. It was contact with the head. The storm player went off. This is where my rule. I'd love to see the offending player have to be off as long as what the injured player is. It's easy fixed. If the storm player can't come back on, then neither can Parramatta player. You just sub him off. Yep. All right. Fair enough. I'm with you there. Shane Adard with Queen. If, if, if through foul play. Yeah, through yeah, foul, foul play. play. We've got no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the send off, yeah, I don't know what is the send off unless you bring a swinging arm all the way from Penrith to Blacktown or something like that. Well, we got Sinbin. Clearly, they feel like him coming in, trying to hit the shoulder in the chest. He was a little bit taller and he got him straight in the face and KO'd him. Yeah. There was intent, obviously, in the tackle, but not purpose intent to harm. Like, to, to injure. Yeah, to yeah. injure. So. It's one of those hard areas, but he got 10 in the bin. Uh, luckily for Melbourne, they had one of those random utilities on the bench that they haven't been using the last few weeks, but he came very in handy the other night. Shane Adard said, the Queensland stock's a little low. Would you look at Reese Martin for a potential bench spot despite being inconsistent in gaining a first-grade spot? No. Definitely not, and he can kick goals. He's not very good for you to kick goals, unfortunately, Shane, if he's off the bench. and that back playing first-grade at the Dogs. Gillette and Kafusi in the back row. I'm not replacing him for either one of those guys. And Jai Arrow, I'm leaving him on the field for as long as possible. So uh, I think there's a lot of other guys they'd prefer to have there. Forget the goal kicking just as far as tight and edge play. Hess, form or not, I think he's more destructive and a better player than Reese Martin. Uh, you got Wallace, you got Napa, you got Offahengawi, young David Feder up the Broncos. I think there's a couple of guys they definitely have ahead right now than uh, Reese Martin. Josh Long, who should the Sharks sign for the wing next year or should they blood some youth? Well, I think Gray and Fecky are off contract. I think Dugan may end up on the wing if things continue the way they are. They played him there the other week when Morris and Cherry are in, so I think he may end up on one swing. Uh, out of Fecky and Gray, Gray had a good game the other night. Do they re-sign him? I don't know, for the right price. Fecky's been pretty good yardage-wise in his time there. Mm. And they upgraded young Ronaldo Mulitalo the other week. I know he didn't have the greatest game in the world, but they were undermanned. It was a late inclusion, and he's only 19 years old. So I think they've got players internally, mate. I don't think they need to go out and sign anyone. I think they'll probably keep one or two of those guys and then they'll use young Ronaldo at some point. So, yeah. 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 Leilua's flick plaster. Rapana says, how do you reckon Kotrick will handle the centres? So that's Easily. He's played fullback, center, uh, center wing, wing in the junior, so he'll be fine. Yeah, no problem with that either. Rook says, as a coach, what would your plans be to fix these teams that have such big gaps between their best and worst games week after week, e.g. Tigers and Para? Well, you need to treat... Treat your team as though they've lost after they after they've won. It looks like to me that you know the approach is sometimes that they they get cuddled the week after a win and they get kicked up the ass the week after a loss and the performances following that are a little bit different. So uh, again, it comes back to player accountability, but yeah, um, attitude. The coaches need to. Uh, that's their job. Their job is to get the best out of their team. So you need to try different things. And every team is different, and what makes different players tick is requires different methods. So you just need to keep pushing different buttons and, and until you find the one that works. Yep. John Pappas has got a couple of questions. What's going on with some of these bench rotations, for one? Yeah. What's the point of a centre on the bench if they can't cover other positions? And what is your preferred bench makeup and rotation? Keep up the good work. Hope Mr. Gossip is travelling okay, as you are with your little ones. Mm. Cheers, mate. I like two props on the bench, a lock nine and then a back rower. 
I'm with box, but if you got and if you got a back row that can cover outside backs, that's ideal. Yeah. If you have that player, like I've said before about a but Madison, the thing is also you, if you've got a player like that starting. So if you've got a back row that you can play center starting, you put your back row on and move your Just other move back up. row out to the center. It's not hard. Well, there's a few guys that can do it. We've seen Orbison play anywhere from center, wing, hooker, six, back row. The only spot he hasn't played is front row, but he could easily play tight. There's no difference between playing lock and prop is in terms of running or defensive position. You've got Madison who's proved that he can play halves. He was an Australian kangaroo there, junior kangaroo. He come into grade, he's played lock, he's played back row, he's played six, he's played center. If you've got a guy like that on the bench coming through, Corey Riddell right now at Manly, perfect example. They pushed him out to the centre on the weekend, I think, with injuries. But yeah. he's played back row, six. The the young prototypical back row slash middle these days, with the, the upbringing they have for these junior systems, can generally cover all those positions. So I'm similar to Brock. If I've got a gun number nine who doesn't need to come off the field, I want two genuine middles. I want a back rower slash middle guy who can hopefully play outside backs at a, at a pinch. And then that other position is there for like a 13-9. And yeah, other than that, unless you've got an out and out utility who can cover absolutely everywhere and you're happy to throw him on. But yeah, if you've got it, it's, it mainly comes down to that nine. If you're in one of these teams that doesn't have a capable nine, though, I'm looking to have a guy that's starting that can at least play 50 or 60 and be solid defensively and do his job. And then I want a spark plug for 20 or 30 minutes if I don't trust the nine that I've got. But a non negotiable has to be two props and at least a edge sort of player that can cover middle or maybe an outside back spot if he can. Yeah. That would be the ideal setup. Jeremy Smith, do you think it makes a difference with coaches not coming out saying who will or won't play one hour before kickoff? Same with Cameron Smith, Origin Talk. Yes, it will make a difference if he plays, but all the talk, will he or won't, is a bit tiresome. I just, I think the players that played last year for New South Wales wouldn't be too bothered by it, to be honest. Like, I don't think they're losing sleep every night waking up going, is he playing? Is he not playing? They'll get picked. They'll go into camp. They'll know if he's, in, if he's either in camp or he's not. They're not going to be able to spring it on people a day before the game. He's either going to be playing for Queensland or he's not. Does it uh, phase, uh, pose a different question if he does play? 100% it does because he's going to be able to work the ruck better and help out those forwards, which are probably not as good as New South Wales. And he brings a left foot kicking game, uh, which helps out his halves as well. But plain and simple, I, I, don't, I don't think the New South Wales would be reading too much in it, that's for sure. It'll make the series a lot closer if he does. Mm, I'd agree with that. And that wraps up some of the ones we've got on Twitter. Jumping onto Facebook, Dane Johnson, do you guys think the term utility player gets thrown around too much, i.e. Kurt Mann, and also the biggest wasted talent you've ever seen? Uh, Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor. He's the one that popped in my mind first. Yep. When, what about the utility tag? Do you think it gets thrown around too often? Uh, yeah, probably. It's a weakness. It's a strength in that it'll get you picked into a lot of teams, but it's a weakness in that once you're in the team, where do they put you? Yeah. Biggest waste of talent. I think I wouldn't say he's a waste on his own account. I think it's a waste because of injuries. Uh, a guy I went to school with, Greg Waddell, he was in the paper this year. Yeah, Did you see that article? It was yeah, in the Daily yeah. Telegraph. They did like the lost players kind of chronicles, and they had like, what was the guy at Parramatta that had the bloody aneurysm? Uh, Adam, Adam, Ritson Adam Ritson or something like that they had a bunch of guys that had hard luck stories or had things happen to them but Greg Waddell I went to school with played against the bloke he used to be an absolute rake ran in him the first time I moved to play brothers the bloke chopped me in half he was lightning quick the best defender you'd seen for an outside back tough as nails could score from any part of the field he was just an absolute freak but uh, yeah wasted talent not on his own account he, he was a wasted talent in the fact that injuries just cruel him from 16, 17 onwards when he signed that contract with the Penrith Panthers, he just never got healthy, the poor bastard. He had 
multiple knee reconstructions, an ankle, a shot. Like he just, he never got healthy. So in that sense, uh, pure talent that I've seen. He, he, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have played ten years plus in rep football easily. So that that's a talent, unfortunately, that people missed out on getting to see play. Andrew Wales, wouldn't a country towns round also be fantastic? I'm sure it would, but there's a lot of logistical problems there as far as setting up TV gear, Fox Sports, Channel Nine. If you went rural, they're playing for the a whole country round. round. They're playing a country round anyway, but it's just not all spread on the out. Weekend. Yeah, but can you imagine the logistical side of things, trying to get all the gear they have spread out to all those regions? I think that's a bit of a big question there. But um, I think there's been a lot more country games more recently. They've done a good job of that this year, I think, the clubs. Matt West, Gutho to Manly. Is it worth turfing Walker for Gutherson? Yeah, probably. Well, I think given what's happened with Walker, regardless of how he plays the back end of this year, unless he takes a massive haircut, which I doubt he will, or given what's happened full stop, I don't think they'll keep him around. So Gutherson in to play centre. If that was the go, yeah, maybe, but not for the money we're talking about for him getting to possibly be a fullback at Parramatta, that's for sure. James Murphy says, could Kurt Capewell be a bolter for Queensland at origin? Will let anyone down at centre and can play back row as well? Do I think he'll get picked? No. Do I think he could handle it? Yes. I think he'd definitely handle it. And they always kind of like having that utility player that we talked about just then. Kurt Capewell is that guy. He can play lock back row centre. He mixes between those positions, but I, I don't know. He might be in the mix somewhere if they need a player like that. Lyle Cato, is Nathan Cleary as good as people think he is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. won an Origin Series last year as a kid. It's And now he's playing behind a four-pack that sucks. He's not playing well. He played either. finals every year since he's been in grade. Probably not this he's not, year. He's not playing well. But he's only just turned 21. So. But this is what happens. You can't play well every week. Nope. Sparky Bear says, Titans for the spoon. And what are your thoughts on Chad Townsend for the number seven for the Blues? He's having a cracking year. No. Um, Titans for the spoon. No, I think they'll avoid it, but only just. I think right now between them and the Dogs, but I think the Dogs are playing a lot better, that's for they sure. Are. And they're, they're even with Penrith and the Titans, and right now you'd say the Dogs have had a better year than both those sides, that's for sure. Uh, Chad, no, not at this point in time, but I think he's had a fantastic year. Could he play there at some point or do the job if, if called upon? 100% I think he could do that job. There's, he could a, steer there's a few ahead of him. But there's a few guys that they'll take before him, that's for sure. Paul Kay says, can you campaign for Magic Round every week? We got to see eight games over here in England instead of the usual three. My wife picked a good weekend to go away with the girls. Fair Our enough. Magic Round is held in Newcastle and not a rugby area like Brisbane, but a great sporting area. Where would you like to take Magic Round? Love the show. Bank well, West, I said last week. Brisbane is definitely a rugby league area champion, but yeah, they love their sport up there. It was a great spot for it, but I'm with Brock. I think it can move around. I think I heard that Peter Beatty said over the weekend that they uh, have it locked in at Brisbane for the next few years but they're open to bids after that so well two years in Brisbane and then the two year, the next two years are options to um, yeah, be matched elsewhere I think yeah I reckon Newcastle as well Newcastle would be a great spot to have it Central Coast like places where you're looking at expanding potentially uh, just to give them a whole round of footy to see what the crowds are like mm. Oh, good. Dom Coogan, Sammy Burgess is a great captain, but does us no favours when he talks to the ref. Much like Gallen, would you consider picking a captain that can approach the ref in a sensible manner? No, well, Bennett picked him as his captain, knowing that. So you've got to deal with the good and bad. Yeah, I think, again, if you're going to pick someone I else... I wouldn't have someone who barks at a, at a referee as my captain, mm. or I'd go and have a conversation, but Wayne would have had that conversation with him prior to appointing him as captain, mm. you would think. Yeah. I agree with you there. There's probably a couple other guys they could have picked, but he's the spiritual leader of the group or the main leader, so I think for that reason that has taken the good with the bad. But uh, David Hooper, thoughts on Queensland hooker? Assuming Smith is out, if Ben Hunt doesn't play 80 minutes, surely. 
Maybe not, but they'll carry a utility anyway. They always do. Yeah, if they had Morgan, I guess he could go in and do that job for a little bit yeah. if need be. That's about it. They're not going to pick Marnie or Granville It'll or something like that. It'll be Smith. Smith will sure. play. Oh, well, we'll have to wait and see. That's for sure. Dylan Smith, Brock, if the Titans get punted one day, will you go back to supporting the Chooks? No, I don't know. I don't even want to think about that. I think I struggle to support the Titans. I turned that game off the other night. It was a shitter. Stinker. I'm over it. It's just hard to support a team that's just bad every year and that doesn't give you any incentive to watch. I, I turn it on, but they lose me pretty quick and I'm over smashing remote, so I'll just turn it off. Uh, fair enough. Matty Hunt says, what do you boys think is more likely, that RCG will be dropped from the Blues team or that Josh Mansour is suffering from an undiagnosed brain aneurysm. <laughs> oh, wow. The bloke thought he could beat him by for pace on the outside. Also, are we all loading up on the Warriors at 210 head-to-head this Who are they weekend? playing? Penrith. Oh, God. Very funny, Matty, as always. Very funny, as always. Uh, oh, that's a 6 o'clock game down I, here, I don't it? think Campbell Gillard's even in with a sniff to get picked for Origin, to be no. quite if honest. If he got picked, I'll fall over. Poor Joshy Mansour. It hasn't been a great year for him. But the Warriors this weekend, no offence, them and Penrith, whether they're two bucks, I couldn't, I couldn't bet on either of them. No. The Warriors have definitely been playing better, but I still can't trust the Warriors. So. I'll go down there and watch both of them try and lose. Yeah, classic. Jackson Cannon, Senna's my question last week was Senna's a bit negative, but we continue to see injuries. When do we start seeing clubs sack conditioning coaches rather than bagging the fields? Oh, it's a little bit of both. No, it wasn't, it wasn't negative, mate. It's just more... Just around the fields, it's hard. Well, we can't blame Sun, Suncorp. The surface there is not to blame for injuries. That that was more my point. Heading into Magic Round, some of the other surfaces they definitely need to look at, mate. Yeah. Um, and sucking conditioning coaches definitely. Well, they've got to take some accountability, or they've got to change their programs. It, well, a lot of people, but, are, particularly when it's the same coaches, and then you're getting the same injuries. Well, that's why a lot of type people of injuries, are so. asking about the sharks in particular. I think they're probably these highlights. Oh, they'd be looking. The feeder has got that. a hamstring. Moylan's had a hamstring. They've had a couple of guys haven't, but the other guys you can't really question because when you look at it, Josh Dugan's had a squillion injuries. That's just him. Uh, the other one prior, that's a neck injury. That's a contact injury. I'm trying to think who else is. Wade Graham's obviously Moylan. Out with the ACL. Yeah, Moylan was a hammy. And Johnson, I know he's got a hammy, but he had previous issues at the Warriors. So that one I'm looking at going, well, he's got prize. That's not something that's happened just while he's been at the Sharks. But if there was a reoccurring soft tissue injury, 100% clubs would look into the staff, what they're doing, have they changed their workload, etc. But yeah, no negativity, champion. It's all good. Peter Wikes, would you rather lose in Golden Point or be beaten 64-10 like the Eels? Losing Golden Point. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd rather lose in Golden Point. I'd be filthy, but that's a lot better than getting beat by 60. James Douglas, did you guys catch the formal handshake post-try celebration that Tesco and Cronk gave I loved Kira? it. I know the Roosters are a business-like in their approach, but come on, have some fun with it. Loved it. Well, clearly it was a bit of an inside joke. I thought it was hilarious. I said it to you straight away. What the bloody hell was going on there? I loved it. There's all the bro handshakes and the hugging and getting around it, and they did the old head nod and the, the solid firm Love handshake. It. Classic. Super. Jeff Gumbleton says there isn't enough tactics put into game day. I think three dominant teams are so good that perhaps a totally different game plan could be used. NRL seems so same-same at times. It may not be nice to see a point of difference. Yes. That's on the coaches, buddy, to stop being cookie-cutter, as we've said in the past. And I don't think it's as cookie-cutter as what it was. Yeah, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad. I just think there's better talent and better coaching and just a couple of those sides at this point in time. And we need to do a better job spreading the talent. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the hardest thing to do. Luke Smith, how do coaches instill discipline in their players? What options do they have? Is it punishment at training or being dropped? 
As a Penrith fan, their lack of discipline is the one thing killing me while watching. The amount of times we go mistake penalty to concerning a soft try is hard to watch. Yeah, it comes down to all of that. And this comes you back need to, to make players accountable to the discipline as well. You can you can say and set parameters and expectations and structures and systems and all that shit that they talk about. But if you're not following through on them and you're not acting on them and that you don't have buy-in from your players and your staff, it's very hard to uphold them. Mm. So I think look, knowing Penrith and having worked inside that organisation, they have great uh, discipline, expectations, all that stuff. That That's not the issue. The issue for them at the moment is their application and attitude. So I, they need to bring in some consequences and discipline for a lack of that. I think maybe that's where there's a little bit of a shortfall. They're not... Uh, you know, maybe Ivan's been a little bit too loyal to players, but it looks like this week he's really he moved moved some on, and so it's it's a difficult one. But then you also don't want to, if you do that, you got to be mindful of the impact that it's going to have on the player. Is it going to blow his confidence out? You might need him later in the year. Is he a key player for you? There's a whole heap of things that you, that need to be taken into account. But yeah, on the surface, Penrith do look like they're lacking discipline, but. Uh, Knowing, knowing Ivan, he'd be there's good discipline in that in that place. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we said before: um, punishment at training or instilling discipline or criticism, etc. And those bits and pieces. If it hasn't been put in norm early, why would they follow on later on? They find excuses or ways to get out of it, not being accountable and carrying on poorly or trying to bail out a club. So. I think it's probably that a lot of these players have abused Ivan's trust. Yeah. I'll- and he's really, really... They're really, really testing his patience. I think a lot of it's still... Showing a lot of faith. Just stuff that's happened off here, and there's a lot of blokes that aren't focused on footy, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's something that he can't really control. David Asik says, I remember it being discussed earlier in the year on the pod that Yo was just head knocks and not a concussion, but this is an interesting article stating otherwise. Continuing the topic, Magic Round had 21 HIAs equal first to most in a round. Wow. And he's going back to what, man, you kind of... Had the bit of the back and forth, but the HIOs are doing a better job that Regan Campbell Gillard opened up about his concern for Yo and the sickening concussion battle and the side effects and what he's been seeing, he's been going through. So clearly having some issues after. But Regan Campbell Gillard's not a doctor. I know he's not a doctor, but I'm, I was more saying at the time, and I guess he's saying about this. No, I'm not commenting just, on what you said. I'm commenting on what the what the article said. If they're trusting what Regan Campbell Gillard's saying as gospel and that he knows the signs and symptoms of concussion, Penrith forgot. Like every club, they've got good doctors and good staff there who would not be putting him out on the field unless he was cleared from through the protocol. So I, I think it's poor that anyone would question the integrity of the doctors at, at Penrith. Well, he's saying he's confident that the issue is being dealt with correctly by the NRL and the Panthers as rugby league strives to minimise. But he's worried about what the look, and it doesn't look great. But he's, if he's been cleared and he's following the protocol, then that's that's the procedure at the moment. I don't, I'm not sure what else they want, want them to do. Now, I don't. I don't know. I, look, in the HIAs, I think we've gone too far down the road, or I think we're overcautious now. There's players that get a little knock; they're not knocked out. They might wobble a little bit, but then they want to rush them off the field. It, the impact that has on a game is huge. I, I think we're going to find a, uh, a happy medium because I think we've gone too far to being overcautious to the point where it's really, really going to, I think, impact a uh, impact a game. Hopefully, not at the, the back end of the year. Duncan Bridgeford, 2017 Storm versus 2019 Roosters. Who wins? I'd go with Melbourne. They'll argue with the most dominant team in the I'd past I'd go with 20 the Storm, years. yeah. Uh, that side. Well, this year's Storm almost beat 
the Roosters. So yeah, minus, that, that, minus that, four or five players. Yeah, that year's Storm was far better than this year's Storm. I think at this full strength side... Be a good game. ...would be a very good game of football. The difference would come down to the bench, I think. I think that Melbourne Storm that year had probably maybe just a slight advantage, but they play a different style of football. And on top of that, they can't play because you need Cronk to bloody split himself into two and play on both sides. So yeah. that clearly makes a difference in that side uh, that side of things. But, man, that, that'd I think be... it's as easy to say whatever side Cronk plays on wins. Well, it'd make a difference, wouldn't it? But, Massive yeah, difference. if you're going to clone him and put him on both sides of the field, I think it's a, it's a very good game of football, that's for sure. Troy Hart, did you catch the New South Wales versus Queensland residence game and what did you think about it? No, Unfortunately, no, because it wasn't on TV down here. I yeah, think it was. It was on... You can get it on Nine Go. It was on. Jam um, or something. Yeah, it was on Jam. Well, we were out about for Mother's Day, so I didn't we get to watch that, unfortunately. Did see the score. Queensland got some revenge because last year I thought they had a good side and they got pumped. They when... murdered them, I think. Queensland. And then they won 44 22 this year. So uh, we had a talk about last week. There's some good players in there. Uh, one that we mentioned before, Brian Two for New South Wales is playing this week. Weird timing, that game. Yeah, I don't know why that got changed to when it did. It seems pretty early considering the season for the mm. New South Wales Cup, but what do you do? Nigel Huntley, why are football players so entitled? You hear James Roberts and Matt Lodge aren't happy with Brisbane. Why do they even believe Souths or South sponsors would even want them representing their brand with their history? Should be grateful to even be earning a living playing football, but people are just never happy. I'll tell you why, because Souths would be on the phone to them. As much as they can get into the media and say, oh, well, we, we haven't spoken to... Oh, what yeah. a crock of shit. Yeah, again, I'm Please. with you. We all know generally that there's always... It doesn't happen People have seen apparent family members talking to club officials, etc., handling on the side. But at the end of the day, Brisbane hold all the power. If they want to hold him there, they don't have to let him go. Yeah, they don't have to do Brisbane a favour or James Roberts a favour. But I, I, I'd assume they would like to get him out of the club. But at the same time, we know that when Wayne Bennett went there... Part of the deal this time was that he didn't have control like he did everywhere else. So anything he wants to do has to go to Shane Richardson and the South Club. And I'm pretty sure, given their first stint with James Roberts, they wouldn't want him at the club. So I, I think for that reason, not Wayne Bennett, they won't take James Roberts. Mm. I think the club would be telling Wayne, thanks, but no thanks. Amity Sharma says, Penrith haven't recovered from what the Storm did them in Bathurst, especially Dylan Edwards, who had a nightmare of a game. Do you think Parra will bounce back from Saturday's massive flogging? Well... Edwards hasn't played first grade for a couple of weeks. I haven't seen how he's going, but he's back this week, so clearly they're happy with him. I think that he can get back to some sort of standard. Uh, I think they've not so much recovered from that, and I don't think the Storm had a good game against South the other week. I think there's just a lot of other stuff going on. Can Parra recover? Well, Parra have been a yo-yo. They've showed they can get beaten, bounce back. Uh, They're going to North Queensland. They bounce back, and then they got flogged again on the weekend. So if the yo-yo continues on form, they should win this weekend. Well, they're not at home. So don't worry, yeah. See what happens there. Steve Moorcroft. Okay, going off current teams without injuries playing a part. What team would you choose to coach and why? But you can't pick the Roosters, South or Storm. Easy for me. Sharks. Uh, uh, Broncos, Panthers. Just on roster, not with their problems. Sharks. Yeah, no. I'm taking the Sharks kids mixed in with Graham and a couple of the guys that are there. And if I'd, not, I'd say I'll say Brisbane. Broncos. There you go. And they'd probably be close to the next one, I'd say. Drew Bagatella. Chooks closer to a loss than a win. Mm. Oh, you're always closer. They play the Broncos. They flogged the Broncos about a month ago. So Yeah. And the Broncos really haven't proven that they can I don't think they'll beat lose. one of the big teams. I don't think they'll lose to Origin, but I haven't seen the draw up to Origin yet, so I could tell you. But uh, depending on who they play the next two weeks or so, I think the Roosters will get undefeated up until the Origin point. Fat Sportsman, thoughts on having a Challenge Cup in Australia? Surely there's enough big league yes. clubs around the yes. country to support yes. it, and it would help bush footy. Yes. 
I love it. I don't disagree with it. I think it's a great idea. Sammy Bashford, all right, lads. Teamless Tuesday is in. Kotrick's at centre. Oldfield is covering Rapana on the wing. Do you think he can excel, or is this just a stopgap until Rapana gets no, back? No, he'll be, he'll be fine. Well, we've said it before. He he'll played all those positions. He was one of the best junior talents, both of us, I think, at seed coming through. He's... He played mostly fullback. He played centre when he first got into the 20s. He plays wing. He can break tackles. He's good in yardage. At centre, defensively, I think he knows his job. He comes in. We'll see on the weekend. That'll be the main thing. That adjustment after he's been playing wing for a couple of years. Fullback, the big question mark when he goes there is ball playing. But as far as kick return, metres and engine. Drawing some lines, is it possible that Freddie got on the phone to Ricky and said, play him in the centres? Don't know. It's... Pick Kotrick in the centres. You pick Ferguson on the wing. It looks a little bit better. It's a possibility if they're not happy with Ramian. But I think he'll do a good job semi. Shazil Shake says, I'm thinking we should get rid of Bellyache's bunker where he talks about a player we can all see doing and bring in Bellyache in the box where they just show him just spraying yes. everyone for the stool. Yes. I'd love to hear the spray he was giving when Curtis Scott made that break, scored the try, but didn't use the Fox in support. Yeah. Mate, been calling for it for years. When they used to have the old split screen on the old Fox remote and you could see multiple games, you could look at the coach's box and I used to watch Craig Bellamy because he was generally just always going off his rock. Mm. Uh, there's not many things funnier than seeing Craig Bellamy in a moment even when they've scored when he's not happy and he's still absolutely spraying someone down the end of that microphone he absolutely loves it Vandal Cricket says even after a great weekend of footy the lead broadcaster decided to make a montage of a player with no mental health problems dropping the ball what is wrong with the world yeah well, poor just hit back on what we said earlier champ I think we all agree poor form Campbell Scott also asking about the increasing injury toll. Seems though there's been more injuries than ever. Any correlation with game speed, player size increasing, or maybe even changes in training routines? All that stuff years. would have an impact. You've ticked every box, champion. Players are bigger, stronger, faster, heavier training loads. They're getting more, more recovery time. So, well, they're going to need it, given what they're going through. But this year, I think the game speed, and more fatigue coming back in, may lead to some of the softest injuries. But most injury we've seen are contact issues. Injuries this year, not so much soft this year. Yeah, it's just rugby league, unfortunately. Billy Barge, he was a big fan of Magic Ground. He went up Saturday, sat through three games, and said that was a lot. But he thinks it's a good option to do it over a weekend when Monday is the public holiday. That way, you could scrap the Thursday game, have uh, two games each day. But it was a great weekend, nevertheless. Or even still, if you have it like you said, Boxhead, two Friday, three Saturday, three Sunday on a public weekend that gives you a day to travel home, or yeah. at least enjoy Brisbane without rushing out Sunday night or Monday morning. Mm. Thanks for your feedback, champion. Darren Corn, if you're running the Eels salary cap, would you sign Dallin to play centres a bit of mail around the grounds? Well, we've talked about that earlier about him. He'll be to play fullback. He will not go there to play centre. And there you go. Brock's all over that one. Chris Ben said, you already covered it, but thoughts on Brian Tuin for Man. So, how good is this, but You read our mind, mate. We have covered it. Yeah. Tu's a great player. And more buzz. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Chris, mate. We'll bring a bit more buzz out. I think sometimes Brock. We just get lost in all the footy talk. I'm just having a little look on Twitter at the moment, mate. And Buzz ben said crook. he's been crook. I'll be back next week. Well, I hope, well, Buzz, I hope you're okay, We mate. really do hope you're good, Maybe mate. he had a dodgy Chinese feed. I don't I know. I don't know. A bit of a vindaloo. But he was up at the Magic Weekend. Yeah, good stuff. Lee Turner, okay, guys. Let's play a game called fill in the blank. Pretty easy. Give a wonder of response and reasoning behind it. Here we go. Magic round was? Good. Excellent. I loved it. Next year's Magic Round should be played at... Bankwest. Well, it's going to be at Brisbane, so I'll stick with that for now, but I'd be happy for it to be there. And one more. Paris ultimate to Gutherson to sign by the end of the week or leave is... I think it's a good idea. Good. Uh, needed. 
you need clarity to be able to move forward. That's a big chunk of money, a big decision, and a spine player. And we already know that that's leading to Dallin. Clearly, that's their thought process. If you're out, they're happy to let him go because he's unhappy at Penrith and maybe kicking stones. He's not playing fullback. And yeah, that, that's the situation, obviously, with this ultimatum. It's all linking together. It's getting pretty obvious, I think, right now as to what's going to happen. Mitch Madley says, Boy, what, uh, boys, why would a team like the Titans, who have had for years been notoriously bad defensively, sign players like Cartwright, Kelly and Peachy, who are the two of the worst defensive centers in the comp, you won't don't win comps in the back of good attack and bad defense. Probably why they have gone nowhere for years. It's a fair comment. I think it's more a question of blokes going there with the right attitude and playing for the money that they're getting paid. A lot of people have gone up there, signed a contract, and just taken the piss in all honesty and treated it like a holiday. Mm. That's a big issue for the club. They need a hard ass coach, man. They need Mel yeah. to come and in I, and just forget go crazy. Forget recruitment of these big flashy stars or guys they think about it from clubs. They just need to get some hard players in, like you said, with a good coach. Build a like a hard edged culture, a bit like they started to get under Neil Henry when they didn't have his flash aside and get some wins. Preston Campbell, Matt Rogers, Scotty Prince, Anthony LaFranchi, Luke Bailey. That's the model of player that they need up there. Donald Fire Flames. 07 Storm versus 94 Raiders and 92 Broncos versus 18 Roosters in prelims. Who makes the grand final? Well, I was bloody... Oh. I was a baby, so I didn't see the 90. What is it? What? 94 Raiders versus 2007 Storm. So cheating. 07 Storm win. Yeah, cheating Storm, so... And I think the 92 Broncos would beat the 18 Roosters. Well, I was only two and four years old, so I can't really tell you too much about that Broncos side. I know a bit about that Raiders side. I'd I think the, 90, the 92 Broncos would beat all those teams, I reckon. There you go. You, you're talking to a man who's a couple of years older than me, so you've seen a bit they more They were dominant, there. man. They were dominant. They wiped the floor, I think, with the Dragons in that grand final. There you go. I can't comment. They basically had the Queensland origin side. I saw the 94 Raiders, uh, and I thought they were pretty good side. But they if, were at the back end, but they I think that's a year Mal retired. Yeah, but if, if we're going against 07 Brad Clyde and Ricky Stewart Storm, went to the Bro- uh, Bulldogs a couple of years after yeah. that. We're talking cheating storm with Falau, Inglis, Smith, Cronk, Slater. That was a It's also side. interesting because the teams are built for those different generations of football. Different style of yeah. play. So, yeah. I like those hypotheticals. But that's my opinion. I think the 92 Broncos are winning. Love your work, Donald. Glad you enjoy the show. Adam Ingaro, thoughts on the amount of time that trainers are spending on the field? <laughs> uh, Brock, don't, I haven't we haven't had one all year. It's no, on. I'm not saying anything. Adam, let's put it this way. This is a bugbear of my brother, Brock, here. It makes him very angry, mate. He gets the shits. He's sick of it. I agree with him. Well, they shouldn't be on the field. But, yeah, it just... yeah. Players shouldn't need trainers to stand behind and fucking tell them what to do. Shouldn't happen. Yep. I ain't disagreeing with you. Paul Phillips, why is Paul Green sticking with the same team after all their losses? A, a lack of depth, clearly. Yeah. They had some turnover. They lost you got to have someone better to put in. Yeah, they've had injuries, obviously. They lost Barber and a few guys before the season kicked off. And, yeah, they're obviously not feeling there's enough there. They upgraded a couple of young kids who may not be playing quite well enough in Queensland Cup yet to justify coming into a losing first-grade side and be burnt early, unfortunately. So that's probably the go. And the last one, Daniel Aiolu. Do you blokes ever think of doing a trade value column a la Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons and what was BA thinking on the weekend with Gufferson and Mahoney? Yeah, I don't know. BA had a brain aneurysm and then got a contract extension. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, I saw... Uh, trade value, I'd love to do one, but there's no trades. Yeah, we don't have trades. Yeah. So if, you want, if you want to talk off contract value or something like that. Or just player value, yeah, <clears> it's cool. Love Bill Simmons, but... And we had a couple in the inbox, just just quick throwaways, nothing special. But Jamie Dutton says, obviously, we'll talk about it. But again, he absolutely loved uh, 
magic weekend and it was an absolute breeze getting in and out of the stadium. So he thought it was great by all. It was great. Thomas man. Vaughan brought up again the whole debacle about Parramatta and he's a little bit fired up that the media was so biased towards him and his knee was tragic and he loves it. But Gutherson really at 650 a year is very, very fair and the club keeps getting hammered over its negotiations, but they lowballed him. But they ran very bad last year and he was a part of that team. Mate, you're ticking off all bits and pieces here and he says he's getting... The shits about so-called league journos that does his head in. Is he off the mark here? Oh, some are knuckleheads. Mate, I think it's pretty straightforward. There's I think, too many too many league journos. It's way too many. I think they, they're all trying to fight each other for a story. They're or, trying to get a story, so I think they've made Guffson look you need worse. To, to be a journo, you need to be a good writer. I think that's the gift of the gab with Paul Kent. People love him, hate him, but he can write. So can Andrew Webster. He can write. They're articulate. Um all right, what's what's the bloke's <clears throat> name on um on one hundred percent footy? He's, Bracey. Yeah, no, not Bracey, the 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 journo. Widler. No, the other fella. Queensland bloke. Oh, his name's on the tip of my tongue. Right? Someone will, will How uh, many bloody people they got in that chat? No, he's he's always on there. He's the mainstay. I really respect him. I think he's he's just to the point. They write well. I think the, the art there's there's a lot of obviously Twitter journalism as well, but the art of writing. To be able to write a good story uh, and be articulate and to find something that's not just for from the day to day. Well, the problem is... To be able to write a story or to be able to have an opinion. I started to do a journalism degree in the modern day and a lot of it's pushing away from the writing side. It is now more moving into the advertising and internet kind of things and short... Yeah. There's still writing involved with it, but a lot of it is moving to social media platforms and the bits and pieces you see now. I think it's more just the fact that, like you said, there's such a saturation within so many mediums that people are fighting each other or trying to exacerbate things and make it a bigger deal than what it is. So they've made out Parrot look awful in this situation and they've made out Gutherson at times to look awful and how long, how many stories they got out and how long has it been talked about for. So they've won, haven't they? They've done what they needed. Neil Breen, Neil Breen. is the one you're talking about. Neil he's Breen. on the Sunday one. I think he's a gibberish sometimes. I like honest. him. But I think, mate, you're right to be frustrated, but I think, again, the media... Makes you love them, makes you hate them. But look how many stories they've got out of it. They've dragged this out for weeks. For me, I don't want to read the shit, the day-to-day gossip shit. I want to read someone being articulate, having an opinion. So I'd probably go to Webster and, <clears throat> and Kent. They're the two that I'll read. I, I love reading Roy Masters as well. He's very old school, has a different view on the game. He's seen more football than uh, the, the two of us put together. Mm. And Can't. lives in Melbourne. So I like the fact he lives in Melbourne. He's away from... That day to day, so he he's probably watching from afar and just looking at it from a footballing yeah, perspective, right which is like. I, I like that. Last one, Daniel Anthony Taylor says, "Morning, fellas. Question for this week's show: Would it be a good idea to do a mixed Magic weekend with Super League clubs, half play in oh. May, other is held end of August?" It had never happened, but I love the idea. They used to do that in Super League, but in 1997, when it was the Super League competition, is what I'm uh, referring to. Yeah, and they had um, it was a World Club Challenge, and they had the Super League sides came here. I remember Penrith played, I think, two English sides out here at Penrith Stadium. Uh, it was awesome. I'm going to Google that now. Actually, have a look at it. Well, there you go, mate. There you go, mate. They've I'm pretty your... sure Penrith played Bradford. They've got Brocky back on board, and that wraps up a massive fan question as always, mate. But now gossip. Tips, all that good stuff brought to you by our mates at the Pro Sports Syndicate. Their tips are absolutely outstanding, Brocky. For the fiends and the players and the team, uh, solid week this week, I think, for the boys there looking at the live update. Still sitting at 25 units, so 
even week, break even. Not too bad, but that package offer is still there. $100 discount off your first month. Get on board with those tips. 25 units ahead for the season. Betting promos, all the good stuff. The Pro Sports Syndicate. Cheers to the lads. But Mr. Gossip, what's he got for us? What has he got for us? Here it is. Here it is. I had his gossip up a second ago. I think the first part was a little bit of what we've already talked about in regards to Clint Gutherson. Where is it? If it bloody loads ever. Clint Gutherson contract debacle is far from over, according to Mr. Gossip. There you go. Going back to Penrith Panthers play Bradford Bulls. This was just Penrith Panthers played Warrington Wolves. They got flogged. No idea what you're talking about. This is 1997. This was the Penrith Football Stadium. Penrith played Warrington, yep, at Penrith. I remember being at that game. It's going back a bit, big boy. They played Bradford at Penrith Football Stadium. They beat Bradford 54-14. to 14. Attendance was 5,000 people. Uh, they played Warrington at, at Penrith. They beat them 48-12. Well, but when they travelled over to, to those teams, the results were pretty similar, to be fair. Mm. I think I think actually Bradford beat Penrith over there. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I know that. They're, no, Penrith just beat them over at Oldsville. But yeah, they played. The, the, the teams travelled to and from, from UK to Australia. Very rare. It's the only only year they did it, uh, and it wasn't well attended. That's obviously why it got scrapped. Uh, got scrapped. But um, <clears throat> yeah, Brisbane Broncos beat the Hunter Mariners in the final, thirty six to twelve. Fair enough. There you go, mate. Random. The, the semi-finals were all Aussie teams. Quarter-finals, you had Auckland, Wigan, Bradford, Hunter, St. Helens, Brisbane, London, and Cronulla, and obviously all the uh, Aussie sides won. So, yeah, interesting concept. That's what Super League did. They just did things differently. They were renegades, mate. Anyway, back to gossip. There you go. So back to Gutherson and the first bit of gossip here. The contract debacle, far from over. He wants four years. The Eels only offering three. Manly offering four but less money. So again, if he goes to Manly, I'm assuming it's to play centre or it's to play fullback and they'd push Tom to six if they've got concerns long-term over the hamstring. But again, he's so effective from fullback. That's the only way I could see them wanting to move him into the front line if they're worried about the kilometres in his legs. Brock, end of the day, three years, 700,000, 650, whatever it is. You happy with that? If you're para, that's your final offer, three years, 650? Yes. There you go. I'm with you. Got no problem with the ultimatum. And then on top of that, Gossip goes on to say what we've been talking about all night. If Parra don't land Gutherson, Dallin is their target for next year and they'll be more than likely successful. There's even talk they're keen to get him mid-season. Yeah, that does not surprise me. Nope. Ivan Cleary is interested in Dylan Walker for 2020. Oh, no. James Maloney will free up some cap space at the end of the season, so clearly, no, again... No, 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 no. Gossip thinks, along our thinking, that he will be heading to Super League at some point and he wishes personally that Ivan would go shopping for a hooker and I'd agree with you there, champion. I think they missed out on a good one in Arise Robson from all reports I got. The yeah. guy that stuck by McInnes is going to be heading to either North Queensland or the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a guy that I watched play for Melbourne on the weekend. I said to you, bro, Harry Grant. Mm. 20s player of the year the other year. Almost won the player of the year Queensland Cup last year. Absolutely killing him. And Sunny Coast won by 70 other weight. Watched him play. He's better than a lot of hookers that are playing off the bench or playing in the NRL right now. Mm. Yet he's on a development deal at Melbourne. And Melbourne have got three hookers. So oh, recruitment officers out there, yeah, blokes at clubs, what are you looking at? There's a guy sitting there who's number three at a club that has the greatest hooker of all time mm. and then the Kiwi International hooker playing off the bench. I'm worried about Penrith. Well, 
not our not our concern, unfortunately, it's, big boy. It's not, but it's poor. We'll have to wait and see. And he says, with Dylan Walker, the Panthers are testing the market as well. Uh, oh, and the Panthers, Dylan Walker. He's testing the market with the Cowboys showing the most interest. Panthers have got a Dylan Walker. Dylan another Edward, Dylan Walker. Dylan Edwards. I, sorry, I think he might have meant Dylan Edwards. He's got another Dylan on there. That Actually, that does make sense. They said the other way that Newcastle and the Cowboys were possibly shopping for that one. So yeah. I think he means Edwards there. And in the last bit, he says, in a completely unrelated gossip news... He's heading over to San Francisco in October and would like to know if any listeners could recommend a good pub. I'll be there Mate, in November, gossip. I'm going to San Fran. Pubs in uh, pubs in San Francisco. Yeah, it's not a very pubby No, nah, it's place. not. It's the Tech, tech Central. Mm. I'm going there in November. I'm starting off yeah, New we York. We spent a few days there. <coughs> but thank you to Mr. Gossip. Jumping uh, in. Bubba Gump Shrimp. Go Bubba to Bubba Gump. Gump. Tips. Gossip. Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, moving on from that to tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Last week, Box said you got six. Man, Gossip both got five totals for the season. You're on 44. We're both on 43. And best bets, we got one each. So I can't remember. We're going all right. We both had a line. I had the Sharks, and I think you had somebody, Newcastle, and then we both went on in on para. So that was a bad idea. Para yeah. got wiped. I went para 1-12. to 12. That was definitely a bad idea. <laughs> Any though, though, whoever the bloke was who out there who somehow knew every reverse jinx tip that I apparently have done over the last five years and gave statistic, <laughs> that was quite scary that you knew that. But I think it was like 14 and 16. I'm going to upgrade that stat now to 15 from 17. There you go. So reverse jinx strikes again. Good times. First tip, though, for this round is Storm Tigers in oh, Melbourne. Pick the Tigers. Thursday night, injuries to Jerome Hughes and Curtis Scott have opened the door. Pappenhausen starts at fullback. Marion Sevo back to the centres. The only other change, Pat Kafusi. Onto the bench on the other side. Ollie Clark is out. Josh Alloway is in Melbourne. In Melbourne Storm. against the Tigers. Tigers got a good record more recently against the Storm, but Storm sticking with the Storm. Mister Gossip he agrees with us. And the odds brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Storm a dollar twenty three, four ten Tigers minus ten and a half a line. One to twelve three dollars Storm. Five dollars Tigers. Thirteen plus Storm two hundred five eleven dollars for the Tigers. Panthers Warriors. Early Friday game here in the Riff. Multitude of changes here. You got Dylan Edwards coming in at fullback. So Aitkins is out of the side. Brian Two gets a debut on the wing. Wang up late comes back in. Liam Martin back from suspension starts at lock. Sian Katawa takes over from Egan, who's out of the side. And Ho profile casualties, obviously. Josh Mansour and Regan Campbell Gillard, who have been named amongst the reserves. Oh wow. Uh Warriors. I, I will not tip Penrith. Well, the Warriors are intact. There's no reason to change a winning side. Nathaniel Roach has a back injury that may yet force him out, so he has Isaac Luke in the reserves in case. Adam Blair and Chanel Tavita Harris are out. I've seen a couple of Warriors fans actually message just praying that they don't put Adam Blair back in because they won. Every, uh, every time I look at Penrith on paper, I think they should win. They don't, so I won't tip them. I'm going to tip the Warriors, and I'll just wait for Penrith to show me something before I invest any time or effort or tipping into them. Well, I had the same theory, and you just said it in a lot more, I don't know. Succinct way. Than I was going to after a lack of sleep and, yeah, other bits and pieces. So, good times. I agree with you. I've trusted them for a lot of weeks. They've burnt me, so I'm off. Mr. Gossip, he's on his pennies. He's backing them in. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they are the favourites at $1.73. <laughs> it's crazy. Two ten for the Warriors. Minus two is a line. One to 12 Panthers, two eighty three twenty. the Warriors. Yeah, give, me, give me the Warriors. That'll be one of my bets. What do you want? 
Uh, just a win. 2-10. NZ, 2-10. For Brock's first bet, mate. Mate, I'll go down there and I'll throw a beer at the Panthers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the five-year plan. Oh, wait, Gus is gone. I still don't like the plan there, mate. It didn't work. I don't like the I Panthers. I miss Gus, so I had more confidence in the Panthers <laughs> while Gus was there. Pardon me, everybody. Uh, the second Friday night game, absolute cracker. Hopefully the Broncos give a good account of themselves, but they're up against the red-hot Roosters side. So Jack Burt obviously out. They've reshuffled. Shibasaki moves into the centers. He's more natural position. Azaka returns on the wing, given a chance there. Roberts is on the outer. He's in the reserves. And James Seguiaro is in the reserves, signed midweek this week as well. So they're picking up extra hooker depth there. Not a bad one, I don't think. A good idea for them. Roosters, they've got one force change. Boyd Corner with his concussion. He is out, replaced by Orbison in the back row. Lindsay Collins comes Ryan onto the bench. And, oh, Ryan Hall has been named among the reserves as he continues. I got mail this he week. Could be done. He could be used back in uh, the UK with the Rhinos. They're struggling. They got knocked out of Bradford. the... Yeah, knocked out of the Challenge Cup by a Div 1 team. Well, I heard this week that they're playing with him as not to play him for at least two weeks just so he gets some footy because he's gone full term after nine months. He's 30, 31 years old, so they want to make sure it's right. Gun. So, Ryan Hall, if you're out there on the weekend and you're watching New South Wales Cup, get out there and see why on play. He'll score about four, I reckon. Uh, I'm sticking with the Roosters. I think the Broncos at home will give a good account of themselves. Roosters. I have no reason to stop tipping the Roosters until they lose. Roosters. Or get injuries, so which they've week, overcome. every week. Regardless. And Mr. Gossip, he's on board with us. He agrees there as well. Clean sweep. 280 are the Broncos with the Pro Sports Cynic at $1.44. Uh, the Roosters, minus 6.5 is a line. 1 to 12 Roosters, 294 dollars for the Broncos. 13 plus 265 for the Roosters. And $7 for the Broncos. Titans, Dogs... Uh, not the most crash shot game to kick off Super Saturday. Titans side of things. Mick Gordon has a leg injury, so he is out. AJ Brimson takes his spot. Tyrone Roberts returns from concussion at 5'8 and in the pack. Boyd's been named the start of the bench. Moyaki Fotoaka is in the starting side, and they may have him out this week, Boydie, depending on his HIA results. Jesse Arthurs retains his spot. Again, another wing utility on the bench. I never understand it. Bulldogs. Plenty of changes. Dean Payne not happy. So, Kieran Foran moves from halfback to 5'8 in a straight swap with Cogger. In the forwards, Harawira and Ira is back after missing for personal reasons last week. Chris Smith is to the bench. Reese Martin gets a spot on the bench after being dropped last week. Adam Elliott is out. It is the leg injury, and his spot's taken by Fuwalalo. And there's no return for Lachlan Lewis and Karen Holland, who were dropped last week, both in the reserves. Bulldogs because oh, they try harder. The Titans suck. I was going to say, I really want to give you guys a chance, but you just keep burning me. Um, and I'm going to – Bulldogs will be my second best bet of the round. I'm going to go the Dogs, but I'm definitely not betting on them. That's for sure. So. I am. I just – I like the fact they – you know what you're going to get from the Bulldogs. I know they're not great. But they put effort in. They put effort in. Well, Mr. Gossip, he keeps tipping the Titans, and he's stuck with them. They're the favourite of the pro sports syndicate. $1.64, dollars 5 for the Bulldogs on that one. Line – Minus three and a half, one to twelve, two eighty-five for the Titans, three forty for the dogs, thirteen plus three thirty for the Titans, six dollars for the dogs. Yeah. I haven't made any decisions on bets yet, and I don't know if I'm going to just yet. This is it's a hard round, mate. Cowboys Eels up at North Queensland. This is another hard game, in all honesty, to pick. Mm. The only change for the Cowboys is Greenville being named to start with Baptiste on the bench, but they did swap that last week, so that could happen again. For the Eels, plenty of movement. George Jennings is in for the suspended Mike Acevo. Hoffman's been caught up to play centres, while Will Smith has been named at 5'8". Mm. 
Salmon's been dropped. Martin wow. is starting at lock, and Morrow has been dropped to the bench. And Reed Marnie is starting hooker. Terrapo back on the bench. I didn't see the start of that game. Mm. Who the hell bloody well played nine? Did Gotha- Terrapo- Gutherson. Right. So what was the plan there? No idea. Did they think that playing no, I don't know. three big middles yeah, against Melbourne before, would make you, a difference? You, you gushed out on me, mate. I missed the first starting part, but someone told me not long after, they bloody benched Marnie. Oh, I spoke about it playing before. playing outstanding. And they've had three Brad cuts. Arthur had a brain aneurysm and then got a contract upgrade. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't tip Parramatta away from home. I'll tip the Cowboys, but they both suck at the moment based on last week. But I'll just go with the form. Well, the sad thing is... I think is, the Cowboys showed more against a, a good side than what the Eels did, and they're at home. So that, that's my only logic. I, I'm, I'm with you. Here. I'm only going to tip them because they're at home, even though I don't think they've been better than the Eels have been this year. But the sad thing is we're basically tipping off stuff like this week to week now because teams have been... All the teams below the top three, are, who knows? They can all beat each other. Yeah. And Mr. Gossip, he's on para. Back on the bandwagon. Love you, Para, para. Following the yo-yo effect they've got, they probably will win this week. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.64 favourite are the Cowboys. Parramatta Eels, $2.25, minus 3.5 the line. 1-12, the Cowboys, 285 340 for the Eels. 13-plus Cowboys, $336 for the Eels. Raiders, South, uh, again, wish the Raiders had all their players because this would be an absolute blockbusting game. But on their side of things, Bailey Simpson replaces Rapana, who's out with the knee injury. Kotrick has moved to the centre position, Oldfield to the wing, and they've got Sebastian Chris, who's named to replace Simmonson on the bench. He's actually a centre, so another team opting to carry an outside back on the bench. The Raiders otherwise keep the same lineup, but still missing uh, Bateman, Tarpany, Leilua, a couple of guys there in Arapana, so that hurts. Rabbitohs, there's been a change in fullback. They've got Corey Allen going back there with. Alex Johnson out with a knee injury. Marwan Hiroti comes in on the wing for just his second NRL game. George Burgess named again to start, but that swap has happened six weeks in a row between him and Totola. I'm going to stick with South, even with Allen at the back. I've seen him play fullback. Uh, I think it's his best position. But, yeah, I think Canberra at home are always a hard task, but I just think heading into origin, um, South, much like most of these teams. I'm going to go the upset. I'll go the Raiders. Nope. You're not alone, Mr. Gossip. He's on the Raiders as well. So I'm solo on South, sticking with them, much like the Roosters, until they get beaten. Raiders with the Pro Sports Syndicate, 235 favourite. Oh, sorry, outsiders at home. South, $1.60 favourite, minus four the line. 1 to 12, 285 for South. Uh, 1 to 12 for the Raiders, 350. 13 plus South, uh, $3.15. 13 plus for the Raiders, 625. Dragons, Newcastle up wow. there. It's a good odds there, too. Glen Willow. Glen Willow in beautiful Mudgy. Looking at this side of things, Paul McGregor has opted against changes in the aim to snap a three-game losing streak. The only possible alteration would be Corbin Sims elevated because he is now in the 21 squad. For the Knights, they have the luxury of stability. They have the same side which won last week with no changes in the reserves, though. A couple of guys there just in case. There was talk that Connor Watson... Might be out for two to four weeks with some sort of wrist injury, but he's been named to play. I think they've got confidence. I know the Dragons need to bounce back, but uh, as much as this is a, a toss of the coin, I'm going to stick with Newcastle. Yeah, I'm going to go the Knights. Mr. Gossip. And you know what? I'm going to change my bets. I'm going to go Warriors-Dogs multi, and I'm going to go Raiders-Knights multi. All head-to-head, mate. And that'll get you about six bucks each go. Oh, there you go. I'll get those two up on back even, big boy. You've pushed in. 
pushed in big time on that one. Uh, and yeah, we're both on the Knights, Mr. Gossip. <clears throat> he is on the Dragons. The odds there, Dragons, $1.66 favourites, minus three and a half. Is the line Newcastle 221 to 12, 285 for the Dragons, 340 for the Knights, 13 plus the Dragons, 330, $6 for the Knights. Sharks, Manly. Oh, wow. This would be a cracker game if both these teams didn't have a thousand people injured, but I still think they'll be a great game given the attitude and energy they've supplied each week. For the Sharks, not a single change to the team that come from behind to beat the oh, Titans, but they've got Sione Katar and Sorensen in the reserves. For Manly, Critical timing with injuries. They get Dylan Walker back for his first game in the centres, and the cavalry has also arrived. They get back George Tafua, Adam Fanua Blake, Lachlan Croker, which helps offset the losses they suffered in Moses Suli, Taofoa Sipley, and Curtis Siren and shifts from 5-8 back into the forward pack, and Josh Kazuski goes... Oh, sorry, Jack Kazuski goes back to the bench. So you're telling me that Andrew Fafita is going to play? Pryor's going to play? Apparently. And it's okay. a, the prison. Ah, oh, shocked. Prison. Prison. Well, my, my question here is, do Pryor and Fafita last? Fafita had an injury, a hamstring injury, they said, six weeks, a couple of weeks ago. He played three or four weeks, busted, and then he paddled out after 10 minutes last week. Pryor's is a neck injury, so that, that could be like friend. He could be off any second. On the flip side, Tafil's back from a soft injury, a tissue injury. Walker's in his first game. Croker's made a paper mache. So I have no idea what's going to happen on the flip side. Um, I think this is a huge game. For both sides, really, as well, far as wins and injuries. They're in the middle forward. of the ladder. Hurry up, mate. I'm going to tip Manly. Because you're a loser. And I like the Sharks. But I think with those younger guys still in there and those two guys possibly getting injured again, I'm going to back Manly to bounce back this weekend. Not with a lot of confidence. I think this will be a cracker game, but I'll go with Manly. Mr. Gossip, he's gone with the Sharks. Uh, Sharkies, $1.52 favourite at the prison. Manly, two fifty minus five and a half line. One to 12, 290 for the Sharks. 380 for the Eagles. 13 plus for the Sharks is 285. Oh. 650 for Manly. Right. All right. I'm going to go the Knights just straight up at 220. Of course I am. I don't mind those odds. And I'm going to take Souths 1 to 12 at 285 against the Raiders. My bets this week. There's not much else there I'd trust. So, yeah, there you go. Another massive episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. Share us with any other league lovers. And thank you again, as always, for your support in the season. The numbers keep growing, which is great for us. That means more people are enjoying the show, loving rugby league as much as we do. And uh, that means everyone's sharing the word as well. So we appreciate your support as always. Everybody, have a great week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.